Hey, Gen. What up? We got some news about the Flash movie that I guess is still happening. Oh, yeah, uh, you know what? That's an interesting... Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting aspect of what we're about to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Oops, Ezra Miller uh, might have hit a lady. Remember that? Uh, Yep, barely movie still happening, though. Ooh. Are they going to recast Flash? I do. I don't know. I don't know. It's fucking weird. Well... I don't know. I'm surprised that movie is still happening. But anyway, that's not, what, <laughs> well, yeah. that's not the initial topic. Um, okay. I know. We got, yeah, we got <laughs> one. big news. We got Batman in the movie, I guess. Like, a, maybe an older version of Batman or whatever we haven't sold yet. Definitely an older version of Batman, considering who they were casting. Right. Being played by the Michael Keaton. The Michael Keaton returning to his iconic role. Um that I actually dunked on while we were talking about Batman. <laughs> well, yeah, because... It, Sorry. Because that Batman movie is not a Batman movie. He just doesn't do anything in it. Yeah, my main criticism of Michael Keaton as Batman and why, like, you know, I ranked all the live-action Batmans and everything. And, and I, I or, or, Well, yeah, actually, there was a couple animated portrayals in that list, too. And I, I actually ranked Michael Keaton fairly low. Like, obviously, he wasn't as low as George Clooney or Val Kilmer. Well, I mean, yeah. But I think my main complaint was that he didn't have a whole lot of time to be Batman in those Tim Burton Batman movies, which were more obsessed with the villains, for sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, I love those movies for that, though. But, um, <laughs> like, they're very entertaining. I, I would not trade having Jack Nicholson and Danny DeVito overact their asses off for, for anything in this world. <laughs> but uh, I think that did unbalance those films a little bit now here is a very interesting opportunity though i love this idea if they do it right if they do what i think they're doing um do do you have any idea what the flash movies is rumored to be at all is it a flashpoint yeah it's it's heavily rumored to be flashpoint which if you guys don't know which i mean comic nerds know (laughs) but not necessarily normies which is fine Read. Don't read comics. It's a mistake. If it's true. Uh, true. But, but uh, so Flashpoint's an event where uh, the Flash tries to correct some kind of um, injustice that happened in his life. Uh, I believe it's the death of his mom. Yeah. It was me, Barry. <laughs> anyway, and he uh, travels back in time because he's the Flash. And he figures out that he can do that to fix it. Uh, but that fucks everything up. And when he comes back to the present, you know, butterfly effect, everything's fucked up. So in that story, um, Thomas Wayne is Batman and not Bruce Wayne, because Bruce Wayne is the one that died, uh, not the Waynes, like mm. the, the parents. Yeah, that's right. So they're, they're going to make him Thomas. I don't think they are. No, oh, okay. I think they're going to make him Bruce. Um, I think we're going to get into a different version of this story. Um they might they might even introduce like infinite earth kind of shit like this might be michael keaton actually oh, like, playing the character oh like 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 literally uh, like 80s batman yeah or they could lean into him playing a batman beyond esque version of the character okay or alternatively a kingdom come esque version of the character which was the main inspiration for the batman beyond version of bruce wayne where he was older yeah and kind of like controlling things a little remotely and uh, 
had to have another Batman do stuff. And there's a lot of rumors coming out that there's potential Batgirl movies happening that Michael Keaton will be in, uh, maybe in a, you know, advisor capacity to the new hero or whatever. I don't know how much I like that necessarily. I do want Batman Beyond in some capacity because that would kick ass as a movie if they could get it right. Yeah, Batman Beyond Beyond's so fucking cool. <laughs> Give me but, that shit. With Barry fucking with the world and maybe traveling too far uh, ahead in time, they could say that this is, uh, you know, grown up Ben Affleck, or they could say that he's from another universe entirely. There's a lot of possibilities that they could go with. But obviously the casting of Michael Keaton makes the most sense if they actually say this is the 80s Batman, (laughs) which would be fucking sick. Um, It would be super cool. I would love that. If they actually bring back that Tim Burton aesthetic just for, like, that one area. Oh, my God. That would be so fucking sick. Well, because you, you have to assume that, like, both this, like, DC and Marvel are going to kind of ape off each other a little bit. We almost saw it happen with Justice League having basically the same plot as Infinity War uh, before, you know, the Snyder Cut got yeeted out of existence. Although now it's been yeeted back into existence. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Yeet back! The original pitch was very similar to infinity war so i'm wondering if this is going to be like dc's uh doctor strange and the multiverse of madness which has been heavily rumored to have all kinds of crazy shit in it and like nothing concrete yet but like lots of characters and lots of other universes and things and like maybe dc could play around with that because the flash can hop dimensions and time travel and all kinds of stuff because he's the flash so playing around with that would be a lot of fun and i hope that they do we also could potentially get a storyline from Flashpoint that is the Amazons having a big old war with the Atlanteans and the key generals there are obviously Wonder Woman and Aquaman. And those are the only two wings of the DC universe that haven't uh, crashed down in flames yet. So they're definitely going to try and take advantage of that. I guarantee you. A hundred percent. Yeah, that would be some cool shit, too. Um, I, I hope that this works. I'm hopeful for it, but who the fuck knows? I hope it works. I hope they cast somebody else as the Flash. (laughs) Literally, just just cancel the CW show, and then mysteriously the next day, that guy is Flash now. (laughs) Yeah, I like him. In the movies, I mean. Yeah, I like him. Fuck it. Who cares? Or if if you just need somebody new... Nobody cares about the continuity with Justice League. Just fucking get somebody else. Yeah. I, I'm not that attached to Ezra Miller. No, cool. absolutely <laughs> not. I am, I am uh, the furthest thing from attached to him. Yeah. Throw him in the bin. I don't necessarily know what he did or not. I forget. But yeah, probably throw him in the bin just to be safe. It's a big assault. Yeah. In the bin he goes. Yeet. Yeet up in the bin. 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 Pick that fucker up and yeet up in the bin. Hell yeah.
everybody, welcome to the Gen and Jub show. That's that's Gen. Hey, it, hi. Um, I'm uh, I'm Jub. Welcome <laughs> to the national uh, uh twenty uh twenty awkwardness <laughs> podcast podcast. <laughs> What is happening? <laughs> I don't know. Why dude. did you decide to do that? Why did I decide I just, to also do that? Bro, I just wanted to be awkward because I thought it'd be funny. You didn't have to. I shouldn't have it. followed you. Yeah. I shouldn't have followed you, you on that. You fucked up, bit. dude. You fucked up. Yeah, I did. Today right, we're anyway. going to talk about Friday the 13th, Jason Goes to Hell. The, the, That's the not the title of the movie. It's just called Jason Goes to Hell. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Jason Goes to Hell. Colon, the final Friday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're correct. The fuck I want to note that because they weren't allowed to call it. Friday the 13th, anything. <laughs> but really? we'll get to that in a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I uh, That movie was something else. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about it. Not because the movie is good. No, oh, no, it's for the Because thing. the movie is the worst thing ever. <laughs> but um, that'll be later. Uh, Justin, I assume you've been mostly playing The Last of Us 2 yeah, and I'm working, s- I'm but still, other than that. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm just over halfway through The Last of Us 2. Yeah, I had a hell week this week. Yeah, I well, well I mean, as evidenced by this episode being a little bit late, which yeah. I'll address on the Twitter, but, um, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, we had, to, had, a, had a really bad week, but other than that, like, now I'm situated finally. We're good. Uh, That's good. Right now. So, so I, I would suggest, uh, we're going to save Last of Us 2 major discussions until yeah if you think you'll have beat it by next week i will have it beat by next week yeah Uh, i will say it's cool to see uh a lot of opinions from prominent youtubers and reviewers and things start to start to be uh somewhat positive as opposed to the uh major uh rift in uh user and critic score that has been going on um donkey uh, had a very positive review, which was surprising considering Donkey hates every video game ever made. True, uh, true. love that man though; he's hilarious. Uh, don't necessarily agree with him on everything, but uh, you know, it, it was interesting to see uh, people be mad at him because he liked a game for once. <laughs> very different. Uh. I mean, what a weird, what a weird, like, discussion about this game it's been. Dude, it's, it's, I, I kind of hate it, but one the, one it's one interesting. More, one of the most fascinatingly stupid things I've ever seen in my life, honestly. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm, I'm seeing stuff on Twitter today about the one character, Abby, going like, how, how could she be that fucking jacked? Which, which uh, Because she's that fucking jacked. Because she's that fucking jacked, shut up. From like, what, what they the, show you, what is the apocalypse? Like she has a gym, she has got a bunch of fucking like meat and shit she can eat. Like shut the fuck up. So you're that far into it? I'm halfway through the game. Yeah. I'm playing as Abby now. Okay. Um. Yeah, she's jacked because she's jacked, dude. And like, there's people fucking... going like, "You couldn't be that well nourished and muscular in the apocalypse. You'd be thin." And dying, just look at Ellie. And I'm like, bitch, (laughs) they show you how well-established both of their camps are. And they also establish 
pretty much that Ellie is malnourished due to choice. <laughs> she's just yeah. like, fuck it, I'm not eating because she's an edgy edgelord. <laughs> and Abby isn't necessarily not that, but she's like a soldier. And, and yeah, so like, she just stay jacked. Really dedicated to that. And yeah. it makes a lot of sense that her character would be like that. God, I was laughing so much today about it because it was going around on Twitter. Um, Dude, she's so some, fucking... Somebody was like, look, even professional wrestlers don't look like that. And they posted like WWE divas. And I was dying. <laughs> like, bruh. <laughs> like uh, I forget who it was, but somebody quote tweeted it and was like, "Nobody tell him, <laughs> just nobody tell him." <laughs> oh my god! Uh, no, dude, she's fucking, um, she's dummy Jack, dude. She's like punch so fucking like knockout infected with like two hits. It takes forever for Ellie to fucking beat shit up. Yes, and she has a very good golf score too. But anyway, um, <laughs> we'll talk about that. In a bit. Now, I would like to talk about a similarly brutal and fucked up game. Yeah. Called called SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. <laughs> Dude, what a god! It's fucking brutal, dude. You could just walk up to any civilian, Squidward, Mr. Krabs, Mrs. Puff, your own pet Gary, and just beat the shit out of them, and they they don't even react. It's fucking nuts, dude. Everyone's so vapid in this world, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's interesting. I like this game quite a bit. Yeah. But I knew what I was getting into, and uh, I definitely didn't anticipate it to be a well-polished 2020-ass game. I expected it to be a remaster of a 2005-ass game, which is what it is. It's a very, very, very pretty version of a 2005 PS2 platformer. Okay? Yeah. Uh, any flaws that that original game had are still very, very present. And I don't think that's that different from what we got with those Crash and Spyro remasters at the end of the day. There's still that bullshit bridge level in Crash 1. <laughs> <laughs> There's still that bullshit fucking ramp jump level in Spyro 1. <laughs> There's still really hard, really bullshit things in both of those games. And I need to, I feel the need to point that out because a lot of reviews for Battle for Bikini Bottom that I've been seeing have really criticized it for not like being like the Crash and Spyro remasters in the sense that they fixed things but I don't know what they're talking about because they didn't. Right, it's the exact same. <laughs> the, their intention with both of those games was to faithfully recreate the Crash and Spyro trilogies, warts and all. And I'm glad that they did that. I like that they didn't change things just because. Same here. But the key difference is that this is a worse game. <laughs> Well, yeah. I knew this going in. This is not as good as the Spyro trilogy. It's not as good as the Crash trilogy either. Uh, this isn't as good as you know. It's it's not. It's a it's a like seven out of ten, basically. It's a um, mediocre ass mediocre game. But like you know what? But the visuals 
and the comedy and the environments all make it a little more worthwhile than yeah. the sum of its parts. Um, I dig it a lot, especially in the visual department. They really went in on making it very bright, very bright, vibrant, and hydrated. fucking amazing to look at. Yeah, they made it hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also they went in on doing something uh, that this game sorely needed, which was animating the cutscenes. Uh, if you ever played the original Battle for Bikini Bottom, you'd have a cutscene with, like, you know, SpongeBob talking to Squidward, and they would just have their default pose, and they wouldn't, like, really react to things necessarily. Like, SpongeBob would sound scared. Like, he would be like, King Jellyfish! But he would just look normal, happy SpongeBob floating about. Uh, in this game, they fully actually animated. Uh, and, and sometimes you'll see a recycled animation here and there, but like they at least made it so that like the characters look scared when the acting is supposed to be that, or they look happier, and you know it's a lot more expressive and reminds me a lot more of the cartoon as a result, which is good. I'm super glad they did that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that they probably should have updated is um, most of the voice actors are here. But one noteworthy one is not, and that is Mr. Krabs. Uh, he is oh, voiced dude. by Clancy Brown. I love Clancy Brown. He's uh, the asshole guard in Shawshank. Yeah. He's Lex Luthor. Uh, he, he's Mr. Krabs. <laughs> he's, he's great. But for whatever reason, they, didn't, they weren't able to get Clancy Brown for the original. So they had some dude come in. And boy, does he do a terrible Mr. Krabs impression. Granted, SpongeBob wasn't like the juggernaut that it was uh, back, like like that it is now back then. It was certainly popular, but maybe not necessarily as ingrained in popular culture now. Like, I think it's approaching levels of like the Simpsons. Like everyone knows the SpongeBob characters now. Yeah, I'd say so. There's memes aplenty on the Internet, you know. So it's a shame that they, they still have that original bad Mr. Krabs actor. And also, uh, Mermaid Man is not Ernest Borgnine, which, I mean, now there's no way to do anything about that because he's unfortunately dead. But for the most part, they got everybody back and they just used the original voice lines and it sounds great. And they added some Easter eggs that are more modern SpongeBob memes. Like uh, you have an idle animation as Patrick and he'll do that, that like big dumbfounded face that you see sometimes. And SpongeBob will do similar things. You can see uh, the handsome Squidward on Squidward's wall. And, you know, all these like little SpongeBob memes get their time of day that were uh, became memes after the after, way after the initial time those episodes aired for sure. Uh, it's good. It's frustrating. Uh, <laughs> right now I'm stuck on this Rude and Goldberg-ass machine. Or is it Rube Goldberg? I always mix that I, up. I, I have no idea. I mix that shit up all the time, too. You know what I'm talking about. I know though, exactly, fucking, yeah. You know, Pee Wee Herman getting breakfast machine. Hell yeah. And, uh, and uh, it, it, I'm just stuck on this thing where I have to, like, hit this button so that this thing goes down so that the ball keeps going. And yeah. and it, it's so annoying, and I've failed it, like, 90 times, and I'm just like, ugh. 90 is probably an overestimation. Uh, that game's solid. Just know what you're getting into before you get into it. If you played that game in the past and you liked it, I highly recommend it. It is still fun. 
if you're not a huge fan of platformers, it's not necessarily going to win you over. But it ain't no two out of ten. Suck my dick, GameSpot. Ooh, <laughs> Fuck ooh. let him know. Two let out of ten know. is so harsh. Two out of ten is what the fucking bigots are giving Last of Us to. Like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> um, two out of ten is like so harsh. That's like reserved for games like Drake of the Ninety Nine Dragon and like yeah. Superman sixty four, which right. this is you not think. that. This is a solid game. It's just, it's just, it's a seven out of ten. There's nothing wrong with a seven out of ten. No, I've played all. plenty of seven out of tens. <laughs> No, that's fucking um, weird. Weird shit. Now, now speaking of weird shit, I'd like to play. I'd like to talk about a little big, a little game called What Tam. Oh yeah, you finally played that shit. <sighs> I started playing that with your brother, and uh, we didn't get very far. But I also don't know how long that game is. It could be very short. And uh, I don't know what the fuck. I like. I mean, I, I played that game for two hours. I don't know what the fuck that game is. <laughs> and and like, like. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I, I'll just describe what happened, I guess. Uh, it's co-op, but it doesn't uh-huh. have to be. But I think it's easier if you have another person. Uh, just couch co-op only, which sucks. Um, you, got, you got like a little square boy with a mustache and a little top hat. He's the mayor. And he is the only person in existence because... I don't know. Something happened and everyone died or went away. Uh, I don't really know the lore uh, and it may not matter, Uh, but he eventually begins finding new friends and everything is happy and wonderful once again. And, uh, you know, you you get like a little acorn man and uh, you can plant him and he becomes a big tree man and so on and so forth. Eventually uh, a, a table, a sentient giant table with arms comes out of the sky through a void uh and 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 scared me uh what the fuck and 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 he brought with him uh several like a fork man and a spoon man spoon man and an a a a, a, a donut looking motherfucker that <laughs> had the ability to eat and you can eat anybody and then poop them out and they become a poop and and all the little guys are like eat me eat me what the fuck like, they don't say that but like they have like little word balloons that say like eat me and you have to turn everybody into shit dead ass this is part of the game <laughs> and uh i don't know why but you can unturn them from shit too by uh, flushing them down a toilet, man. That is the thing that happens. And it just gets weirder and weirder as it goes. Uh, there was this bit where uh, the son, which is sentient and has arms, uh, answered the phone, man. There was, there's a little phone, man. And uh, he didn't have his phone connected, so he was crying. And a balloon man showed up, and you had to connect uh, a lot of people onto a balloon and float him into the sun so he could make him hang up the phone. Uh, this this sounds like a fever dream I'm describing, and it yes. kind of is. Um, it has a lot of charm, and it's very funny. Um, oh, I, I neglected to mention that the mayor has the superpower of removing his top hat and then exploding. Um, which what? you can do a lot. You can just blow up everybody around you, and it doesn't hurt them. Uh, they, in fact, they love it. They ask you to kaboom uh, near them, and uh, 
you know, it's no big deal. Uh, there's no injury or pain in this universe. Uh, everybody loves to get exploded to smithereens and consumed and shit out. Uh, like, you know, everybody's just chill with it. Everybody's cool. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's what Tam. I, I, I don't know if it's a good game. But I am beyond fascinated, and I will report back <laughs> once I have beat the game. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 may, it might start having lore about what happened to everybody uh, in, in the first place, but I don't, I don't know if the lore of this game where you eat people and shit them out and then flush them down the toilet and then start the process again really matters in, in terms of, of lore. <laughs> but whatever <laughs> that's fucking incredible i, I, I should say that it, it should come as no surprise that this game is fucking demented and weird uh considering it's from the creator of katamari damasi and if you know anything about that game it, it begins to make a little bit more sense oh, yeah. why this game is fucking Shit, bizarre man. very japanese and very weird <laughs> um uh and last but not least I'd like to talk about a little game called uh, FX Pinball 3. Oh, man. 3? Hell yeah. Yeah, this is like the current version. I believe X- FX Pinball 2 was PS3. And maybe oh, it goes okay. back further. I don't even know. Um, so I have a couple complaints with this. Uh, I love pinball, uh, especially like in real life. Like when I find a pinball machine in a bar or like, especially at that arcade that is near us. And, uh, What's really cool about this game is they have some of those arcade machines from the local arcade that we go to. Um, I really love this table called Junkyard. They have that in this game, so now I'm able to play it whenever I want. I love that game. That's one of my favorite pinball machines ever. And also, uh, Attack from Mars or Invaders from Mars, I forget exactly what it is, but it's got Martians and stuff going on. That's a very good pinball table, too. Um, And I also bought a couple of Universal Monsters pinball tables. The the Williams tables are the best because those are genuine designed for release pinball tables. This game has a lot of like only made for this game pinball tables from various licensed sources. There's Star Wars tables, there's Marvel tables, there's uh, a Walking Dead Telltale game table. There's a Portal table, there's a Skyrim table oh my god Skyrim uh, on your a, pinball machine there's a family guy table oh uh you know i could go on and on there's lots of licensed games uh including franchises we've watched on here like uh jurassic park and <laughs> um i'm not too interested in all that shit because th- those are ones that aren't real pinball machines necessarily they're only virtual made by you know this company that puts out this pinball game. But the Williams stuff is cool because those are actual genuine released in the eighties and nineties pinball machines. And I love them. They're great. Uh, the game is super fun. It has like challenges and things you can like, uh, you know, unlock scoring more points and try to like use those to help you do the challenges. Uh, there's only three types. There's a single ball. Just see how many points you can get off of one ball only. Uh, five minute, which is get see how many points you get in five minutes, and then survival, which is probably the best one, which is uh, you're you're continuously trying to attain a high score, and if you don't get it in one minute, you lose. Um, huh. 
So once you get it, the score moves up and basically doubles. And now you have to get that in one minute. And it keeps going up. And obviously you can get better at these the more uh, abilities you can unlock, which is just unlocked from basically playing the tables and doing stuff a lot. Like you can make it so that the bumpers do give you a lot of points. Or multi-ball gives you a lot of points. Or the longer distance your shots are give you more points. Or skill shots give you more points. It's up to you to choose which ones are best for which table. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I dig it. Uh, Now, here's the major complaint about this game, and I would suggest that to anybody thinking about looking at this at all. I bought several tables because there was a PlayStation sale, and I was like, oh, cool, Williams. Uh, Ooh, that's I've played that pinball machine. I want to get that. And uh, I, I don't know if that sale is ending soon or not, but um, I wanted to get some of that shit. And I downloaded it. And then I was like, wait, why isn't it showing up in my thing? Where is it? I just bought it. Did they scam me? And I looked it up and there was lots of complaints from people going like, where's my pinball machines that I just bought? Where's my DLC? All that shit. Because that game's free, but it only gives you like one table. Yeah, then you have to buy more tables. You got to buy all the other ones. And like usually they're too expensive and I don't fucking bother with it. But when they're on a sale, I'm like, hey, 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 and the Williams ones are on sale. Okay. Anyway, the problem is you got to download the demo for every pack you buy or else it won't work. What? Um, You have to. Well, the way it works is uh, you can download demos for every table in the game. And it'll make it look like you have every table in the game, but it'll have like a little lock icon. So like, for example, I got the demo for the Family Guy table. Uh, spoiler, it's horrible. Horrible pinball machine. Don't buy that one. Uh, but I just I was just morbidly curious. I was like, let me see what the Family Guy one's like, because the demo's free. Uh, and um, what it is, is it's the entire file for the pinball machine. It just lets you play it for one minute. And then the time's up. And then it's like, do you want to buy it? Yes or no? No. Okay. Uh, The demo is the entire file because of the system they have. The when you buy it, you're actually just buying the unlock that makes it so you can access it outside of the one minute timer restriction. So you're not buying. So when you purchase that (laughs) off the store. It's that's not coming with the download for the table. It's basically you're purchasing, making the demo you downloaded, not a demo. That's really (laughs) fucking weird. So the entire file is actually the demo. That's the entire table and everything that goes into it. But you can't access anything in it until you buy like the unlock for it. That's how it works. And it was incredibly confusing to find that out. And I'm glad I found it out because now I know how it works. And I downloaded every single demo so that never happens to me again. <laughs> uh, also, I'd like to sample some and see which ones are good and which ones are not. Because I have some Star Wars tables that aren't bad, but definitely the Williams ones are way better because they're actual pinball machines with, you know, designed well by the yeah. best pinball company ever, basically. So, yeah, it's good. It's a lot of fun. I love I love pinball, and I'm glad that I have an option to play it on PS4. Yeah, that's cool. But that's just that make sure you download the demo. It's pretty stupid, right? <laughs> that's dumb. 
Um, yeah. All right. One thing I would like to talk about before we move on. One yeah, more game. I do have a. I got a comic before we talk about the movie, Friday right? as well. So yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna. Th- this isn't gonna take very long, but I, I want to bring some light to this. Um, sure. Just a few days ago, earlier this week, um, Super Smash Brothers Melee, a video game from oh, 2001. Shit. I knew you were going to talk about this. Yes, was just re-released on the, the, the like a modded client of Dolphin, the uh, the GameCube slash Wii emulator that allows yes. for rollback netcode net play for Melee. This was designed um, by the person who made the program Slippy for Melee, which is a groundbreaking program. It's really cool. I have it installed on my computer to go along with my emulator here. Hey. But that, what that program does is it, it uh, records and breaks down the footage of every game that you play of Melee. It gives you like okay. really fucking cool statistics and shit. And mm-hmm. gives you your replays. And it saves all your replays, too. The same guy that designed that spent the last six months putting this together. So not only does Melee now have rollback netcode, a game from 2001, but it also has matchmaking. That's fucking crazy, dude. It's the... This is the best thing to happen to Melee since, like, that documentary came out. That was a huge thing for it. Okay. This means that you can play with almost anybody around the world. And it's not that bad. Um... Well, because it's got that good netcode, yeah. Right. I played with somebody from Europe, and uh, it wasn't it 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 wasn't bad. Like there there was a couple issues. That's to be expected, but for the most part, it felt like I was playing offline. Wow. When I'm playing with my when I'm playing with my friends locally, it feels perfect. It's perfect. It, it, it's incredible. It's better. It's miles better than Ultimates Online, which is funny because that's a game that came out two years ago. <laughs> Yeah, well, because, like, for whatever reason, Nintendo was, like, Switch, HDMI, oh, no, I'm sorry, Ethernet? Nah. No. But even on top of that, like, No, no Ethernet. Even, like... Only Wi-Fi. If you have bad netcode, like, I mm-hmm. have an Ethernet adapter for my Switch, right? To play oh, Ultimate that's online. already a given. That's already a given. Yeah, <laughs> Most fighting games have bad netcode. Yeah, and then, and then Nintendo pays less attention, so it's even worse. Yes. I was having so many problems even playing with, with like people who live in the same city as me. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's fucking garbage. All, there is no excuse anymore. Especially after this shit came out, there is no fucking excuse anymore. Every single fighting game should be using rollback netcode. I mean, honestly, the, the, the kind of weird reality of our COVID-19 world is that it's making people realize how shitty the internet is for fighting games in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, which is kind of cool. Yeah, because, like, you know, uh, Smash fighting game tournaments have been, like, basically killed. And uh, a lot of other fighting games have been basically killed. But the ones that are working are the ones with rollback netcode. Yeah, like, if you look at EVO Online, we were talking about that in an earlier episode. <laughs> With Leave yes. Online getting announced, the like Killer Instinct coming back into it because it has rollback netcode, and then it, mm-hmm. it's the same client that uh, that Killer Instinct does, GGPO, which is an open source. It's open source. It's free to use rollback netcode. Nice. So there's no there's no fucking excuse anymore. It plays like a dream. I'm so fucking happy. 
then I can have a Smash game that actually plays well online. And I love Melee. I really do. Um, I tried to use Netplay on Melee before a long time ago, and it just was nowhere near as good. You had to go through a website called Anther's Ladder, and you had to, like, go through this, like, rigorous process to, like, matchmake with people, and the netplay wasn't great because it was, you know, it was peer-to-peer instead of rollback, which is what we have now. Goddamn. And then delay-based netcode, which sucks. If that's what you see in most fighting games is delay-based netcode, and, like, your all your Arxis fighting games before uh, Guilty Gear, which is coming out next year, will have rollback finally. Thank God. Hell yeah, dude. Dude, it's fucking incredible. I love it so much. I, uh, it's, it's, you're able to download it for free, but you could also donate to the guy. I definitely donated. Because, nice. goddamn, I have to, I have to, I had to give him money. I had to help him. It's like, holy shit, what an incredible thing. The dude quit his job to do this. Wow, okay. That's cool. Yeah, definitely donate to that guy then. That's yeah, awesome. Dude, like, dude, how dedicated is the melee fandom? Dude, this is why this game will damn. never, this game will never die. Maybe because you have the rabid obsession <laughs> behind it. It's such a good game. It's the same reason why a game like Marvel vs. Capcom 2 will never die. Yes. Because, like, that game is so good, and people have just rallied behind it, and the newer entries aren't as good. And it's the same thing with Melee. Like, nothing play Like, those the newer Smash games are really fun, and I love them. I really love Ultimate. I think it's great. But once you learn how to, how to play it, Melee still feels better than any other Smash game to play. Yeah. Well, I don't necessarily agree, but I've never been a huge fan of Melee, but I don't know. I'm also not in that pro scene. I can see how on a, on a you know, more professional level, Melee really opens up. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's really movement-based. So yeah. you, have to learn, you have to learn a lot of stuff before, like... Bro, I'm, I'm playing Mr. Game & Watch and shit. Like, I'm bad at Melee. <laughs> let's oh, dude, be, game, let's yeah, be real. Well, Mr. Game Watch is literally broken in Melee, so... Like it doesn't. Mm. Like a lot of stuff he has doesn't work. You can't even like L cancel most of his moves. Yeah. Like, like well, so. Like game watch. They didn't really bad. intend a lot of the things that are big melee tech. Well, and, then, and like, of course, even, like, you, you know. even if you strip it down to its most base level, a lot of game watch stuff doesn't work right. And yes. He's, he's really bad in melee. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that it made him better in future entries. He's good. At, he's but really anyway. good at ultimate. Yeah. He's, he's like probably but I like top Banjo 20. now. I kind of switched between. Uh, I haven't played the game in a while, but I like Banjo a lot, and I like Game and Watch a lot. Yeah, Banjo's fun. I like Banjo. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, yeah, new character coming out. Yeah, Minmin got announced. Yeah. We didn't even talk about that. Uh, yeah, Arms Fighter. I mean, I don't have a lot to say about it. It's just it's cool. Uh, it's not who I was expecting, but I didn't really know the characters from Arms anyway. I like her. She's cool. Yeah. Noodle girl. All right. <laughs> She looks I'm alright with it. I will, I will report yeah. on that next week when I get a chance to play her. That's a, a report oh, on every Smash week. character. Cool. Yeah, Monday. So, so we got five characters left, Justin. Yep. And I think they're going to be Crash Bandicoot, Crash Bandicoot, Crash Bandicoot, Crash Bandicoot, and Crash Bandicoot. Very good. It'll, it, it will probably okay. be at least one of those. I think, I think I'm right on one of those. <laughs> I think so, too. I think you got it, buddy. <laughs> Especially with that boy getting uh, an official Crash Bandicoot four this year, which is crazy. Pretty cool. Maybe that maybe the, maybe he will come out for Smash around the same time the game comes out as promotion. Yeah, not necessarily. They usually don't do that with these DLCs. But yeah, hey. but I mean, they they probably get approached. I mean, if they can get approached, if Activision approaches 
Sakurai and goes like, hey, I'm going to put Crash Bandicoot in Smash. And he's going to say no. No, I think that's the biggest mascot character that isn't in Smash yet. Right. You got Mario, you got Sonic, you got Pac-Man, you got Mega Man. Uh, you know, who else is there? You even have Simon Belmont, dude. Yeah. At this point. You got Banjo, even. You know, you got, like, big platformer legends. Uh, you need Crash yeah, in there. It just, it just seems appropriate at this point. I, imagine showing someone in the 90s this video game if it had Mario, Sonic, Crash, and Mega Man in it. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking crazy, dude. Oh, and Ryu from Street Fighter. I would have never imagined it a million years. Yeah. Dude. And Cloud from Final Fantasy. Like, fucking guess. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's a fucking dream, dude. And I hope they continue to blow our minds. Uh, the arm pick didn't necessarily because that's a Nintendo owned property. But yeah, hopefully but they can it, branch out and do some weird third party nonsense. It was, really it was to be expected to that there was going to be an arms character. I said that. I thought an arms character was going to be in the initial roster. I remember I I, yeah, I tried yeah. calling that when the characters were still being revealed for that game. I was like, all right, they're gonna put an arms character in. It was like it was probably the game a little too year. late. Much like Byleth, you know, they were yeah. just like, well, we'll do DLC then. Yeah, you get, get your core Nintendo <laughs> franchises on there. You get all the core franchises for the console. Arms is a really popular game. People like it a lot. I like it. I think mm-hmm. it's really. I think it's a really like weird and interesting fighting game. It's fun. Yeah, I never got a chance to try it out. Uh, hey, maybe there's renewed interest in it now with this character. Yeah, we'll see. Oh. So, right, so speaking of, uh, I don't have a segue. I really don't. Quick, come up with a segue, Justin. Speaking of cool shit, is your comic cool? No. Fuck. Damn it! Bad segue. Damn it. Uh, all right. Look. Um. <sighs> This one was bad. This one was bad, guys. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> uh, this is this is a comic that I read. It's just called Friday the 13th. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll take a chance on this one because none of the other ones had the balls to just be called Friday the 13th, and that's it. So I was like, I don't know if this is an adaptation. I don't know if this is an original story. I don't know if this was trying to be ongoing but got canceled after six issues. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. But I guess it's a six-issue miniseries from the late 2000s. It was written by uh, Justin Palmiotti and Justin Gray. Oh, sorry, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. And illustrated by Adam Archer and Peter Guzman. Now, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, I was aware of beforehand because uh, he, alongside Amanda Connor, uh, did the Harley Quinn New 52 reboot. Which basically changed her entire character into more of a comedic, uh, you know, basically like DC's Deadpool in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, and they've really leaned into that in recent years, uh, particularly with her look, which like resulted in how she looks in Suicide Squad. And uh, that, that resulted in that new Harley Quinn show, which is apparently good. And I may eventually watch. Uh, I'm hoping they bring it over to HBO Max uh, so that I don't have to have that DC streaming service, which they might as well just throw in the garbage and put all that on HBO Max, which it looks like they're doing anyway. Right. Um, you know, Doom Patrol's on there and most of the movies and such. The only aspect you won't have, I guess, is the comics. But say love V. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so 
I was like, well, maybe this isn't that bad because I've read some of his Harley Quinn stuff and it's not terrible. It's not my favorite. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily great or groundbreaking, but I was like, well, maybe this won't be like shit tier. But unfortunately, it's pretty shit tier. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily as bad as Bloodbath, which I reviewed a couple weeks ago. Um, but it's th- that honestly seemed a little more creative because that was the one where there was, you know, the teenagers were being set up to be victims of Jason so that the FBI could like or like whoever, like the military could capture Jason and like use him. Or I guess actually after watching Jason Goes to Hell, maybe even that concept isn't even that fucking original. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so this is, you know. Very run-of-the-mill in terms of overall plot. It's six issues, and it really feels like it doesn't have to be. It feels very dragged out. Uh, you have a bunch of dumb, dumb, dumb teenager characters who I hated. Nearly all of them. Well, no, all of them. I hated all of them. <laughs> I was trying to think if there was any likable ones, but no, not really. Uh, your main character is, you know, blonde hot girl, as you would expect. <laughs> um uh, the, the comic starts with her running through the woods naked away from Jason. And uh, thankfully, an old couple picks her up. And, uh, you know, this really lets you know the quality of the comic you're about to read. Uh, you know, like, are, are they trying to be like, this is hot? Look at big titty lady running away from Jason, even though she's like fucked up and like has missing teeth and a stab wound. I don't know, buddy. I don't like it. I, I, I don't approve. <laughs> but, um... So then we flash back to what happened to her and all her friends. And it's your typical setup. Somebody's reopening Camp Crystal Lake again, even though Jason stuff happens all the fucking time and people die all the fucking time. Uh, This dude's trying to reopen it with the uh, pretense that it's like, you know, kind of like an edgy summer camp where like kids will like want to go so that they can buy the t-shirt that says I survived Camp Crystal Lake or whatever. I don't know what fucking sensible parent would send their kids to a summer camp that people fucking died at, but I digress. Anyway, uh, so all these dumbass characters who are all frustrating and terrible are kind of left to their own devices and begin to get picked off by Jason. There's uh, two characters who end up being gay and the comic kind of like I don't know, seemingly uses it only as a joke uh, so that, like, a female character who was dating one of them could be like, I can't believe you. And, like, also so it could be like, you know, whoa, didn't expect that, did you? Uh, But I don't like it. And (laughs) it seems really, really... It hasn't aged well. It is the best thing I could say for that. (laughs) Um... Not to mention that this comic uh, genuinely has uh, words and phrases in relation to the to, to gay people that have not aged well in it. Uh, mm, F-slur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Give a big hmm. So uh, this comic attempts to add new lore. Uh, I don't know why they had the balls to try and do that because the new lore they try to add is aggressively stupid. Uh, Blonde girl goes out for a swim and starts getting tugged down into the lake by what I thought was little kid Jason, just like in part eight. 
which is stupid. It was stupid in part eight and stupid here. But then it ends up being an entire fucking like squad of drowned zombie people trying to drag her down. Wait, what? <laughs> and and this is this is teased throughout the entire comic. So it's very complicated and confusing what happens and who kills who. Um, there's so there's these zombies in the lake now. That's new. Jason's out there killing people. But then one of the gay guys ends up being fucking nutty and crazy and feels like, you know, he can't be with the one guy or whatever. So he dresses up like Jason and kills people. And the blonde girl ends up killing him because she thinks he's Jason. Uh, But then Jason shows up immediately after. (laughs) This is a fucking Uh, nightmare. And and views the scene of uh, that dude's dead body and is like, Huh? <laughs> like my head can is that Jason was like, "Huh? Well, all right," <laughs> and then just went back to killing. Um. So Jason's killing people. Other dude was killing people, and there's zombie kids in the lake, right? Um. Now that doesn't really come back into play until like the end, end, and even then, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Um. What ends up happening is. Jason comes up to the blonde girl who, who, by the way, the answer to why she was naked and running through the woods is incredibly stupid. She got blood on her from killing the fake Jason. Okay. And then like aggressively tore at her clothes to get the blood off of her. And then now is naked and just running around through the woods. Stupid as fuck. It is indeed stupid as fuck. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> Exploitative and dumb. By the way, the, the way the artist draws female characters leaves a lot to be desired because, like, it is super stereotypical. Big titty, nipple poking out constantly. Oh, uh, you know, your typical, like, you know, you know there's a reason why people criti- criticize uh, the way comics portray women. Uh, and this, this comic is an example of that. Yeah. <laughs> A fucking oh god! What a what a fucking nightmare! Oh, so anyway, she's Ugh. she's naked, running away from Jason, and Jason comes up to her and uh, literally offers her his machete. And this really gets forgotten very quickly. But I think what they were trying to suggest is Jason saw that she was a killer because she killed that guy who was trying to kill her, who wasn't Jason was pretending to be Jason. And I think Jason offers her the machete to be like him because he recognizes that she is also a killer. Uh, Which I don't really think that makes any sense because there's been other instances in Friday movies and and better comics that I've read, like uh, the How I Survived Summer Vacation one, where like other people were killed in Jason's presence and he didn't give a shit that other people were dying. Like, why would Jason give a shit if someone else was a killer? I don't think Jason has any, like, empathy towards other killers. That doesn't make any sense for me in the lore. Jason doesn't have empathy. For the way I see it, Jason doesn't have empathy for other people in general. The ending of that one comic, the the abuser and the abused, uh, is the complete opposite of that, where, like, the girl is trying to be like, no, Jason, we're one and the same. I'm also you know, someone whose society uh, fucked over or whatever, and I wanted to get revenge on 
somebody by killing them. But then Jason just kills her. And yeah, I agree. That's how Jason should be. Jason doesn't know. He's a mindless zombie man. How would he know morality at all? Of any sort. Not that it's morality. Maybe like uh, karma, maybe? I don't know. Either way, Jason doesn't really have a sense of it. Let's be real. That's stupid. And then they go back in time. And I don't mean just to the 50s, Justin. I mean way back in time. They basically establish the origin of Camp Crystal Lake and why the Jason stuff happened. In the 1800s... Yes, that like this far, uh, some Lewis and Clark shit happening, you know, just just your casual, uh, you know, expanding of the America territories by, you know, just killing Indians and shit. And they get to Camp Crystal Lake, which uh, doesn't make any sense because they're, they're referring to Lewis and Clark stuff. But I'm like, well, don't we already have the New Jersey territory? That's one of the first states. Yeah. What are you talking about? They, they have the, 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 this takes place in New Jersey, right? But yeah, anyway, they don't, they don't know what the fuck they're doing, dude. Like they literally were referring to Lewis and Clark and the aggressive expansion of the West. But like, um, th- this isn't in the West. Camp Crystal Lake's in the East. <laughs> <laughs> I know half the movies were filmed in the West, but that's that's besides the point. Right. So um, it's a, it's an Indian burial ground. Basically, they, there's a bunch of Indians killed and then there was some kind of Indian uh, shamans. Probably not the right word, but I think that's what they literally said. And, um, you know, he basically curses them for all time. And, uh, so basically the hate of the lake itself was looking for a vessel to fulfill its hate, you know, it's revenge filled hate against the white men who I, I killed all the Indians and stuff, I guess. And it found that vessel in Jason Voorhees drowning in the lake, who is a white boy, <laughs> so I don't really understand why they chose him necessarily, but whatever. Anyway, he is the hateful vessel that they chose to exact their uh, never-ending murder throughout all time. Um... And then, like, all the people in the lake never gets explained. Like, it seems to be a pretty real thing because multiple characters see it. And I think they even kill one person and drag him into the lake. All the, like, zombies in the lake, the spirits or whatever, of the dead people. But it never really comes to anything. Like, like if there's a magical stack of zombies in Crystal Lake, why do they need Jason to kill people? It doesn't make any sense. And after all that, our blonde girl, big naked boob lady, blonde girl main character, uh, you know, is kind of like suspected of killing everybody by a cop because, of course. Um, and then Jason shows up there. And instead of, you know, going with Jason and he, she's like, fuck you, Jason. And I don't know. He just kills her. And I was like, well, that was a waste of time. So like, you don't even have a final girl that gets away. The final girl is killed and thrown in the lake. It just is another one of the victims for all time. And it, it was generally, I think, probably the worst of these so far. And Sounds like I, would say, I would say it's the worst of these so far because it's nonsensical and overly long. Uh, Bloodbath was really bad, but it was only four issues compared to six. 
This was even longer, and as a result, I wanted it to be over way before it was. Right. I do not recommend this one. I would probably give it, like, you know, what I give Bloodbath, like a 2 out of 10. Probably that. Probably like a 2 out of 10. Some of the art's okay. Jason looks kind of cool sometimes. But the story is so bad and mediocre samey to everything else, but also weird in the stuff that it tries that is new. Uh, And I guess we're going to be talking about that for a movie (laughs) in a bit here. Yeah. Uh, But next week, I will be reading hopefully a better comic, but my uh, I'm not anticipating it to be. (laughs) But I am excited for this one. Jason versus Leatherface. Oh, God. (laughs) This one's a bit older than these other, like, mid-2000s ones I've been reading. I think this one's from the 90s. And, uh, you know, I'm not anticipating anything great, but but I would like to see how these two even even cross paths. (laughs) Because, like, we got somebody from Jersey, and we got somebody from Texas. And they really shouldn't cross paths unless there's some crazy contrivance. Jason doesn't really step outside his comfort zone of Crystal Lake very often, does he? No. He ended up in New York, but at least that's only one state over. This is like either Leatherface has to go to him or Jason has to go to him. It has to go to Leatherface. I'm guessing Leatherface will go to him. Yeah. But I'm not sure. And I, I don't know how this. I, I don't. I have no clue what version of Leatherface they're going to be using either. Since it's the '90s, I'm really worried it's going to be the next generation version, <laughs> which oh, is no. like the worst version of yeah. Leatherface. Uh, the comic cover seems to suggest it's like more of a classic version. I, I hope they lean more into the like the original, or maybe like Texas Chainsaw Two kind of stuff. That would probably be fun. Uh, I'll let you know how that is. Yeah. <laughs> Two franchises that we've watched collide that I didn't, they, I, nobody asked for this, but let's, let's see what it's like. <laughs> anyway, speaking, speaking of, of nobody asked for this. Yeah. What this says it's time. Let, let's, let's get into it. <sighs> Just be, I think it's safe to say this movie is fucking absolute bananas right yeah it's one of the weirdest things i think we've watched on this program possibly um i mean i just brought it up but i was going to anyway i think the only thing i can really compare it to that we have watched is texas chainsaw massacre the next generation it's about as because there's the similarities are numerous uh both of them are entries that are largely considered by the fandoms to be the worst in their respective franchises. But both of them, in my opinion, are so inept that they are hilarious. And both of them try to add new mythology to the franchise, but fall straight on their face in in their ineptitude. Uh, And also both of them are the direct result of a past creative on the franchise coming back and trying to do something new, but failing miserably. So so let's get into it, Jusby. <laughs> Pull up a chair. <laughs> Sit down. Let's talk about Jason Goes to Heck. So, yeah. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> oh man, yeah. Jason goes to hell. The final Friday, which again, they're lying, uh, was released in August of 1993. Uh, the Friday franchise, you know, had had been nearly a yearly thing in the 80s, only missing two years. Uh, so that's that's eight movies in a one decade for a franchise. That's kind of impressive. This is a good run, yeah. but that run has ended. <laughs> that run ended hard because uh, now things are way more spaced out. Um, so after part eight, it took four years for a sequel to come out. And then the nineties we're, we're not, we're not so kind of Jason as the eighties. This is the only entry in the nineties for the franchise. Oof. Uh, I, I think the gap between this one and Jason X is about 10 years. And the gap between the most recent entry in the franchise has been 11 years to now, which is, uh, hmm, not a lot of Friday movies happening compared to how this franchise started. So, Paramount Pictures, you know, uh, sold the rights to Jason Voorhees away. You know, they were frustrated by that decreasing box office return for the franchise. You know, ever since, I believe, part five, they were making less and less money despite costing more and more with part eight being the nail in the coffin. You know, as we talked about it, it was a huge, you know, financial disappointment for them, even though they spent like 14 million dollars on it. So they decided to, you know, sell it off, but they but they weren't willing to just sell everything for whatever reason. The deal was that Paramount would sell New Line Cinema the character of Jason Voorhees, but not the branding of Friday the 13th. And I don't really know why that was. If, if they were done with it, why not just be done with it? But I, I guess maybe they were like, well, we have the TV show, which had nothing to do with it anyway. But... <laughs> I don't really know. So that's, that's so why the weird. title that's why the title's not Friday the 13th part 9. Because I, I think a way better title for this movie would have been Friday the 13th part 9 Jason Goes to Hell. That would have been fine. But instead it's called Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday and it's not. <laughs> and they knew it wasn't because the the entire reason New Line wanted Jason was for a crossover film with Freddy Krueger because they own the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. So now that they own both you'd think that that would be the next movie that they would have lined up. Let's just jump right into Freddy versus Jason. But no, it would take them uh, like a, a decade and a couple years to even make Freddy versus Jason. Even though uh, this whole initiative was being spearheaded by none other than Sean S. Cunningham. He's back, ladies and gentlemen, after producing and directing the first entry in the series which is still pretty low on our list. Uh, he really abandoned this franchise. Um, he, he really didn't have a whole lot to do with the entire mythology of Jason being the killer for parts two through eight. He, you know, was more in charge of part one, which was all about Pamela. Well, at least the last 20 minutes were all about Pamela. So whether it was because he was uninterested or maybe he felt bad about making a slasher film or Maybe there was some kind of issue with Paramount because I, I, I would like to note that he didn't get reinterested in this franchise until it was owned by somebody else. 
uh, it seems he lightened up and he re-engaged with the series once more, once a new line got a hold of it. So Sean produced the next four films in the franchise, what we got left. Uh, he, he finally became a creative voice again uh, until now, because uh, there's the ongoing legal battle between him and the writer of the first film, Victor Miller, over who owns Friday the 13th. I believe Victor Miller just had a big victory as far as that goes. Uh, and possibly we've seen the end of Sean S. Cunningham's uh, influence over the series, which, like, I don't know, who cares? I, in my opinion, he, he isn't even that important. Like, he did make the first one, but everything that is significant about the franchise and pop culture kind of came after. Because it was the Jason stuff, right? Yeah. I don't know. Kind of weird. So he had a proposal to do Freddy versus Jason. That's what he mainly wanted to do. But it was put on hold by New Line in favor of setting it up first with a film focusing on Jason. You know, that way they could, you know, firmly establish that they have Jason now. And then the next one would be Freddy versus Jason, which is kind of what happened almost. <laughs> but um, so New Line chose Adam Marcus who uh, we, we've experienced his work before. He was the writer behind Texas Chainsaw 3D. <laughs> uh, a little gem of a terrible movie. Uh, and he, uh, so he developed the story and he directed the film. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of films under his resume that he directed. And uh, that's probably because he made this movie. If I, if I had to guess. <laughs> so he was fresh out of film school. And he was only 23 years old. Uh, uh, who boy. We got a rookie on our hands. And that explains a lot, actually, <laughs> with, this, with this movie and how everything shakes out. So his ideas for the movie were developed into a screenplay by Jay Hughley, who, uh, weirdly enough, I noticed briefly appears in The Walking Dead as a character named David. Uh, but anyway, Marcus's ideas largely remain the same for the script, but changes had to be made. Uh, and the main character in this named Stephen Freeman, but uh, originally he was supposed to be Tommy Jarvis, which I think would have probably been a lot better if it was. Uh, but it turns out new line didn't own the rights to, to use Tommy Jarvis. They only had the rights to use Jason. Yep. The fuck? So they couldn't use any other characters from Friday, which, you know, usually wouldn't be a, a problem because most of them are fucking dead because they're victims of Jason. But Tommy is like, you know, I mean, he's only in three movies, but I guess he's his primary antagonist, right? Or protagonist to Jason's antagonist. Uh, like that's all you really got. He He's not necessarily as good as like a Laurie Strode or anything, but he's there. You might as well use him, right? Well, they can't. And <laughs> <laughs> the original script saw a man named Elias Voorhees uh, here rewritten to be Jason's brother instead of his father, uh, dig up Jason and eat his heart, uh, you know, to, to get his essence or whatever. That was always an aspect of the script. Good luck. Uh, but, Cunning but Cunningham didn't like this draft. He, he thought it was shit. So he hired Dean Laurie, uh, who would later work on, uh, you know, Major Pain, Arrested Development, uh, that Harley Quinn show I mentioned earlier. And uh, the much delayed Animal Crackers movie. Did you know that's happening? It's what? a movie by Animal Crackers. The, the snack. fuck? Are yeah, you... that's coming to Netflix. <laughs> that's been delayed since 2017, and it's oh, coming no. to Netflix. It's a CGI animated movie that 
nobody wants to release. So it's coming yeah. to Netflix, Justin. Oh, Get hype. Oh. Animal crackers. Anyway, so so this Dean Laurie guy is rewriting the entire script to remove Elias, refocus the story on Jason, and you know, turn Tommy into a completely different new character. Um, uh, one problem, they're about to shoot. So uh, guess how long it, guess how long it took them to make this script? Oh God, a week. Give me a, give me a number. A week? It's less than a week. Oh my God. <laughs> oh it is my four God. days, buddy. Jesus Christ! So it's basically Dean Laurie and Sean S. Cunningham locked themselves in a room for four days to try and figure out what the fuck this movie even is, uh, because they're about to make it, and uh, you know that explains a lot too. It's really funny to me that Sean S. Cunningham is like, this script is shit. I know what we'll do to fix it. Force a bad one that is maybe even worse to be made to replace it. <laughs> it's like, like, are you serious? <sighs> so, um, I think we're good to go. All right. I've been talking a lot, and I, I definitely have a lot more to say. But... It hit me with that plot, Justin. What do we got? And Jason goes to Hecarino. All right, our cold open of this movie mm-hmm. starts with a woman going to Crystal Lake. Obviously. Yeah, it's very, very stereotypical entry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very, it looks like a standard Friday movie, right? Yeah. Girl she... out in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Is Jason out there? Uh-oh. So when this woman enters this, this cabin on Crystal Lake, uh, she... The, the light bulb that burns out, she wants to replace it. You don't know exactly what's going on yet. Unless she just drives up, maybe it's her home. Who knows? It's very drawn out and very deliberately cliche. Yeah, they do the very cliche, uh, gets, the woman gets naked. And then, oh, here, here comes well, Jason. no shit. Yeah. <laughs> here comes Jason. And Jason chases her out into the woods. What do you think of Jason's look for this movie, real quick? Now, uh, you don't see it very often, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, for, you'll see it for most of the film. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I've seen it more in the video game than in anything else. Yeah, um, it's an interesting look. I don't think it's, it's definitely yeah. nowhere near one of the best. I, I would like to point out briefly that uh, Jason never gets unmasked in this movie, uh, mainly because of the, the way the plot works out in a minute here. But but the makers of Friday the 13th, the game uh, decided to come up with what they felt like he looked like under the mask. And uh, there is a bit of continuity that goes into the look of this Jason. Uh, he has different weird looking skin. And I believe that is because at the end of part eight, he gets acid washed to shit. And I guess eventually he gets back to crystal Lake, you know, probably on the way kills a lot more people, but his skin is very burnt and acid burned is the, is the idea here. But okay. as we remember, his face got fucking started to goop real hard and get melded at the end of part eight. Yeah. So in the game, if you manage to knock off his mask and see what he looks like, it's, it's pretty gruesome. He has an exposed skull. Basically, underneath that mask ain't a lot of skin. <laughs> he got a skull going on and like one eyeball rocking. It's pretty gnarly looking. But you don't get to see it in this movie. No. No. Because... They get out to, a, to an open, the open set of the woods. A bunch of lights turn on, and the girl jumps out of the way. Then you got a bunch of military types all pop out and start laying fire into Jason. Yeah, they just go to town on his ass. 
And then they drop two grenades on him and blow him to smithereens into literal he pieces. He literally blows into a million pieces. And his head and flies that's off. The, that's how the movie starts. <laughs> so yeah, I guess Jason is going to hell because he's got to be fucking deader than shit, right? Right. Right? Right. Except it pans right? over and the heart's mm. out and it's still beating. It going ba-dump, ba-dump. That's pretty stupid, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, get, you get shady looking character in the background. He's he's sitting there way back in the woods watching it. And then he Oh just, that's right. I forgot they introduced him this early. He just blurs up like I don't think so. <laughs> you're I, like, what? I I got a lot to say about this character, but we'll wait until he's properly introduced. Um okay. So Yeah. This intro is actually kind of great. Because yeah. it's it's deliberately cliche, deliberately familiar to kind of surprise the audience, right? With this twist of, yeah. nah, Jason's fucking dead, right? He got blown up. But then everything else that happens after is just the absolute dumbest shit possible. Yeah, it goes immediately off the rails here. And, and, and pretty immediate after this uh, opening. Which, by the way, we got Harry Manfredini back doing the score. Yay! He should yeah, always do the score great. for these movies. And uh, yeah, the score is good for this movie. I gotta say, but um, that's to be expected for these movies. Even the worst ones have generally an okay score. <sighs> Time to go to Youngstown, Justin. Yep, we go to the Federal Ward in Youngstown, Ohio, <laughs> which is our hometown. It's kind of fucking weird. Yeah, dude, Jason's coming to our hometown, dude. Go get autographs. <laughs> um, so I'm not. I'm not an expert. I don't think there's a federal morgue here. Is there? I don't think so. I don't I don't I didn't personally see it driving on my way to work or driving to Taco Bell or anything. I I, I haven't personally seen it. <laughs> but uh anyway, in the context of the movie, for some reason they take Jason's remains from Camp Crystal Lake, which is a fictional location in New Jersey, to the also fictional location of this morgue in Youngstown. Which is like okay. a downtrodden steel mill town. I, yes. <laughs> There's probably not a whole lot of reason for them to go to Youngstown because, well, we're not here very long. Spoiler. But, um, so, so I, let's, uh, we got a, we got a coroner guy. Yeah, we got, and he's doing uh, the autopsy on on you, Jason. Here, he's this just... is Richard Gant as Phil, the coroner. Uh, by the way, we've seen him on Gen and Jub before. He was George Washington Duke in Rocky Five. Yeah, that's what... the, the 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 worst Rocky movie. So yeah. it's only fitting that he's also in the worst Friday <laughs> the Thirteenth movie too. Um, neither of which are his fault, but. Hey, <laughs> here he is. Yeah. So one as he's, he's talking about the body as the title card passes by, which, by the way, has some really, really terrible, like, just kind of drawn gradient over text that just pops True. in and out. It looks yeah, like they just really used bad. the gradient, gradient tool and what probably at the time would be Photoshop CS1. And uh, 1993, yeah, I mean, they did did the best with what they had, (laughs) yeah, sure. And uh, yeah, it wasn't didn't look great, 
One of my favorite things that he does in this scene, while the title card's going by, is he grabs the head. Mm -hmm. He just looks at it, like, dead in the eyes, and goes like, In my professional opinion, this dude's dead as shit! <laughs> there are some funny lines in this movie. Yeah. Uh, most of which are in, like, the first half hour, though. Um, right. Yeah, so we're just, we're doing, uh, you know, autopsy on Jason as the credits go. And then now it's time for him to look at the heart. And yeah. it's beaten still. And he's like, whoa, that ain't supposed to be happening. Yeah, there's like some black mm. liquid coming out of him. He's like, this isn't blood. I don't know what the fuck this is. Yeah. And, uh... Oh, let me let me talk about the heart real quick, actually. Because I, I found a funny little thing. But before the heart's not in the movie anymore. <laughs> uh, so... While looking on IMDb, I found two facts that seem to contradict each other, which is a problem you run into on the IMDb facts tab. Yeah. Um, not all of them are real. Some of them, you know, anybody could put anything on there. So a lot of it's bullshit. I'm very selective which which ones I actually talk about. I usually, you know, look into stuff and see if stuff actually has a source. Uh, but this this is an example of uh, how you can go. I got two contradicting facts here. Uh, fact one, Jason's heart prop was actually gelatin filled with fruit cocktail so Richard Gant could eat it, but it still made him nearly throw up. Believable, because he does eat it, so there had to have been a prop for him to chow down because it looks like he's doing so. Fact number two, Jason's heart prop was reused in From Dusk Till Dawn. Now, Justin... Um, uh -huh. if fact A is correct, fact B is incorrect. cannot be correct because Richard Gant ate that prop. Um, <laughs> I can't. They were right next to each other on IMDb too, so I was just like, "Wait a, wait a minute, no, <laughs> that can't happen." Because in this scene here. Our our boy, our boy Richard Gant chows down on this heart just because um, we don't really get a good sense of why. Why does he do it? He's just like compelled to. It doesn't make any sense. He just stares at it intently and it starts beating really fast and he just picks so, it up and starts chewing. So Jason's heart hypnotized the man and forced him to eat it is the vibe I got. But you may... Notice that that makes no fucking sense, and that's going to be a theme of this movie. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. and then as he's eating his heart, a bunch of like red, like wisp things come out of the fucking body yeah, parts dude, of I Jason. Got no and into idea. Him. He was like Jason's to... essence goes into him or whatever, and uh, his his assistant comes in. Yep, and he just he just kills that motherfucker. Which, by the way, this is the writer of the film. Dean Laurie as the assistant. Uh, so, so this is the man responsible. Well, one of them. I would mainly blame Adam Marcus, the director, for being very amateurish. But um, uh, yeah, he tells uh, the assistant tells Jason that he'd like to put crap <laughs> right on his mask. A big old yeah, he's, he's basically crap. like you know, yeah. <laughs> Leave it to the writer to give himself the best line in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, 
Yeah, and then and then now Jason Corner man. Uh, yeah, comes Jason with, with a probe in his hands right in front of his face, and he just very snappily says, "Yes, that's a probe." And then kills the guy. Yep, and he just shoves yep. that fucker right into him. And I believe as he's walking out of the room, we get a shot of the mirror, and he's Jason in the mirror. And this is used a couple times in the movie. Like whenever there's a mirror, you see that like, oh, that's actually Jason hockey mask and all. And that's weird. Yeah, it's like it's like reverse vampire. Uh, I don't understand why that would happen, why the reflection would be Jason with the hockey mask or whatever. Uh, But I don't understand a lot about this movie, so let's move on. Yeah. So he comes out. So he comes out of the quarter's office, and a couple of security guards there start talking shit. A couple of military types that blew Jason up. Like, yeah, we really nailed that fucker. And then he like, you're the yeah. first person shot of of uh, of corner Jason. And he turns mm-hmm. around at him. And then it hard yeah. cuts to uh-huh. the, the TV program. It says tonight on American Case File. Jason Voorhees, dead or deadly, and it like spans over to like it like the dead security guards. Yes, I, I want to point up. out the main primary security guard who's talking to Corner Jason is actually Kane Hodder. Uh, so yeah, Kane Hodder is back as Jason, even though he's barely in the movie. But they gave him an actual cameo outside of uh, his iconic, you know, hockey mask here uh, to fun. be on screen, which is cool. That's yeah, fun. He doesn't do too much in this movie. Mm. And uh, one thing I didn't talk about from the beginning, one of my complaints about Jason in this film, probably has not, uh-huh. a, not a lot to do with Kane Hodder himself, but he makes a lot of weird fucking noises. He do grunt a lot. He Boy, boy he grunting. He's fucking weird. <laughs> dude, okay. it's like nine films in, dude. Jason's getting on in them years, and he's like, you know, ugh. Ugh, when he's killing people, because now it like, takes effort, you know? <laughs> he's an <Yeah>. old man. <laughs> and then... So this fucking news program part's fucking hilarious. So yeah, it's really good. Through, like the facts, two two men dead. It has like the black, like the the red, like stamp shit that you see on like mm-hmm. '90s TV with the text in it. Yeah, like, dead showing up. Coroner dead. This, Another coroner, you can tell missing. This really, really makes this a '90s movie as hell. It's so. Fucking it reminded funny. me of like you know like something like America's Most Wanted kind of shit. Like it's, it's fun. Um, by the way, this is uh, as our TV host and asshole man, and he shows up a lot later. Uh, Stephen Culp as Robert, and uh, he starts interviewing the easily the best character in this movie. Um, and quite honestly, one of the most confounding characters in this entire franchise. Stephen Williams as Creighton Duke, who is an insane bounty hunter. And also somehow an expert on the Voorhees lore, even though we have just now met him nine movies in. Um, what the fuck is this character, Justin? <laughs> he's a he's a weird bounty hunter TV man. Uh, yeah, Williams is. He's been in a lot of things. He's popped up on nearly every television show known to man. But but perhaps most famous, he, he's played uh, Captain Adam Fuller on 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Uh, you may recognize him from that. Mm-hmm. But uh, in this movie, he is a weird cowboy bounty hunter man who is actually quite insane as the movie continues. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he's got, like his motives are never really fleshed out. 
for doing anything. He seems to be only in it for the money. Yeah. But that doesn't seem to be the case later. Uh, what is this man's deal? I don't, I don't so what does he talk about here? So he like, talks about so first first thing that is fucking funny. Uh, mm-hmm. Asks him like the, the reporter asks him what are the first what are the first word things that come to mind with these two words Jason Voorhees. He's like I think about a lady in a pink dress sticking a hot dog through a donut. What the fuck does that line mean? It means fucking. Why does he think of that? I don't when know. When he's thinking of Jason, bro. Vo- is it a reference to how, like, the teenagers were supposed to be watching Jason, but they were fucking? I guess so. Is that what the reference is? Or yeah. is he just being an asshole because the dude's asking him a question that he doesn't like? I, I or, guess. Or what? What? I don't know, dude. And then this guy asks him, no, refer to your claim that Jason's still alive. Spurley's making claims that Jason's still alive. Mm-hmm. And then, then he goes to this tangent, talk about how the Jason you know isn't the real Jason. That's just a that's just a body. News, news to me, prison. buddy. Right. Look, I watched the first eight movies. This is news to me. <laughs> this movie introduces a lot of new things to the lore that I don't, I don't like at all. <laughs> They're really stupid. Uh, so, so like, here's the thing. None of this is in the movie, but this this bizarre character of Creighton Duke was intended to be fleshed out more with an origin for his character that, that never made it into the film. And this origin would have been, uh, and this is a quote from Adam Marcus, a teenage Creighton was out on Crystal Lake with his girlfriend. Jason capsized their small boat and pulled the girl down into the lake. Creighton tried to save her, but could not. She was never seen again. Creighton vowed revenge, and from that moment on, he spent his life in the study and pursuit of Jason. He became a bounty hunter just to fund his work in taking down his nemesis. Um... It would be cool if they, like, actually told us that, though, because, like, you know, late in the movie, when uh, when this dude actually sees Jason, he implies that Jason recognizes him. He's like, you recognize me, huh, motherfucker? And, like, I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't have any idea who you are. Yeah. You weren't in any of the other movies, but you act like you have a big long personal history with jason <laughs> like what are you talking about so it would have been you know i think pretty important to show us this information instead of me reading it after i've already seen the movie but uh, there you go also i i would really like to point out that um uh, according to imdb so take this with a grain of salt but i thought i'd mention it because it's really um this character was not written to be dressed like a cowboy However, Stephen Williams insisted on being dressed like a cowboy. Look <laughs> <laughs> good. Which, like, I have to mention that because I, good. if it's not true, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that because I want that to be true. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, also, there's a, there's a cool line here, which is a Jaws reference. Uh, Duke's line is, uh, you know, he's asking for 500 grand to kill Jason. And he says for that, you get the mask, the machete, the whole damn thing. And in Jaws, Quint asks for 10,000 to kill, you know, Jaws. And he says for that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. So it's a literal, like almost word for word Jaws reference. That's cool. Yeah. It is cool. Too bad it's in a fucking piece of shit movie. Yeah. And so, 
the, the dude ends the news program and saying, I'm going to offer Creighton Duke his $500,000 to kill yeah. Jason. Mm-hmm. And this then, dude's just in it for the ratings, of oh, course. Yeah, 100%. Then yeah. mm-hmm. we cut to uh, a diner. Mm-hmm. The woman who seems terrified comes out. And then she, they come out to a banner up top that says, Jason is dead, two for, two for one burger sale. Yeah, dude. Uh, I kind of like the characters in this diner. They're very, very strange. It's, it's like Friday, Friday Part 5 tier yeah. people. Like, they're just fucking weirdos. Which I kind of dig. I, I like. I like the idea that like the surrounding town of Crystal Lake is just filled with fucking weirdos. Like Jason's not the only weird thing about it. It's just like it's a, like a weird place in general. I like that idea. If that was their idea, I don't know. It just seems to be the case because of how these movies go. <laughs> um, who's who's the okay? It's Allison Smith. Oh no! I'm sorry. Aaron Gray is Diana, uh, right here. This this waitress character who I thought was going to be the main character, and like she really seems like it here. And I was kind of like, that's kind of cool that they would actually have like a you know, like a mom <laughs> be the main character in one of these movies, but uh, ends up not being the case. And we got like you know the lunch lady fucking ass <laughs> yeah. uh, bitchy owner of the restaurant who is a. Uh, played by Rusty Schwimmer, who is, who is in a lot of things. Uh, here she's playing a character named Joey B. And uh, Leslie Jordan is playing her husband, uh, Shelby. Um, it's been suggested that these characters were originally meant to be gender-swapped. That's why the one's called Joey B and the one's called Shelby. But then after the, char- the actors gave their auditions, they swapped them. Um, I don't know how likely that is. Both of those names are somewhat androgynous it could be either way so it, it does i don't really know but either way our dynamic is clearly one is loud and bitchy and then the other one is you know kind of just like oh i don't say that come on <laughs> like that's it's fucking really weird this diner yeah they're making fucking hockey mask burgers <laughs> yeah they're cutting out the meat they're saving money <laughs> or whatever. Oh man. Yeah, it's really fucking weird. But yeah, so uh, Crane Duke's here. Uh, yeah, yeah, he shows up, and he's uh, he's talking to our uh, waitress mom lady here, Diana. Yeah. Yes. Yep, and she asks her like, he she comes up, you order some food, and he's like, I need your help. She uh, she tells him to fuck off. And he uh, he won't leave her alone. He's very serious about this. And uh, eventually uh, the sheriff comes over and he's like, fuck off, dude. And I guess arrests him. Yeah. Which we don't find out until later. I thought they just told him to fuck off. But like, no, no they, they arrest him. <laughs> they throw him in the slammer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie's you. very messy. You don't find out things happen for like. 20 minutes and then you're like oh they arrested Creighton okay mm-hmm. he tell, yeah he tells the police chief over there to the sheriff to blow him yeah he probably shouldn't have did that in retrospect yeah you know he's like he's like uh and he tells the, he tells the sheriff uh he's like the sheriff says that's my lady you're talking about he's, he's like mm-hmm. it's only your lady because she hasn't had a taste of the duke yet 
Jesus uh, Christ. This character uh, is incredible. <laughs> I, it's really hard to get a vibe off of him because he's like, he's a completely different weirdo scene to scene. <laughs> like, yep. And then after the police take him away, she goes and sits down next to a dude named Steven. Yeah. Like, our our, yeah, our actual know, lead for this movie. Our actual lead for this movie, played by John D. LeMay, um, our Egon George Costanza esque. The hybrid character here. Um, so I recognized him actually because he plays Ryan on the Friday the 13th TV show. He's the, you know, male protagonist of that show. And I guess they were impressed with him enough to put him in this movie after the show got canceled as the main character. Um, does this mean they originally wanted him to be Tommy Jarvis? I don't know. Maybe. But like, I guess I could see it. He plays a very different character on that show. He's more of like a wisecracking, you know, womanizing kind of guy. Here he's kind of like, I don't know. He's kind of a nothing character. Probably because that, they had to restructure and make it not Tommy Jarvis. No, but like, dude, he is that guy, right? He's that guy. Still yeah. adult male. Mm-hmm. Still in his hometown. Mm-hmm. Wears his varsity jacket all the time. See, I, I got a kick out of thinking he was George Costanza the whole time. Just like wondering if this was George <laughs> Costanza. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. He he didn't really give me main character vibes at all. No, I thought he was going to be a side character that dies twenty minutes in. But it turns out that uh, reverse those character I thought was main character actually dies twenty minutes in, and Stephen actually is uh, our main character. Yep. And what a boring one he is as a result. Yeah, um, it's weird. I guess they wanted like an a quote-unquote every man that you could quote-unquote relate to. Sure. <laughs> but I didn't really get that vibe. Uh, no, not at all. He, he's, he's guy. He is character, I guess. So it, it was hard for me to piece together what the relationship between these two characters is at first because this script is poorly written but what is going on just so everybody understands steven was dating diana's daughter and now they are broken up even though she has just had a child which is steven's kid and i think diana is kind of like trying to talk to him and say that like you know maybe like try to tell him about the kid i don't think he knew about the yeah and uh jessica is planning to come up and like you know maybe like for the weekend see her mom or whatever and uh i think the implication here was that she was trying to talk to steven so that he could meet his kid and she Maybe, maybe like Loki wants her daughter to date this guy again, maybe because he's better than who we find out she's currently dating, which is the TV show host from earlier, which is weird. But (laughs) anyway, that all has to be pieced together 50 minutes into the film. I just pieced it together for you now. That way, you know what's going on, which is what the movie should have done. (laughs) But instead, it kind of just doles out this information to you and just confuses you yeah. for a long time. Right. So when he so when he's on his way to, to her house, he uh he finds some hitchhikers 
Yeah. And they, they asked to go to Camp Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this is the, make a little joke here. And, and Steven tell, and tells him, uh, go to smoke a little dope, have a little premarital sex, and get slaughtered. And like, oh, yeah. No, uh, what? And he's like, they're, they're kind of like awkward. And he's like, ah, just like, sorry, I'm growing up in the area. It's, it's a joke, we, a little joke we have. And they're like, haha. And then they're like, yeah, basically, that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's, that's that is literally what yeah. happens. Well, they say that, uh, you know, their intention is that now that Jason has been blown to smithereens, and this was very public on the news, even though the news broadcast we saw had a lot of questions about whether Jason escaped or not, and whether Jason was still alive or not, because there was a trail of bodies where Jason was last left, these characters are all like, hey, it's fine to go to Camp Crystal Lake and you know, smoke weed and have sex because Jason's not out there to fuck with us anymore. It's free for all season, baby. Except, uh, but no, but no, not really. Now, coroner Jason shows up. Coroner Jason shows up to, to kill them. And, uh, that's basically all that happens here. Yeah. It's pretty basic. It's your basic Friday killing. It's your basic shit. There's one girl. I, I, I have to question whether, um, the director of this movie had some kind of fetish. Because one female character goes off to pee, and they they show her peeing, and they don't show her peeing, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, and then Jason kills her, and then the other female character goes off to pee, and they show that. They don't show it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and uh, and I'm just like, why did they do this for both characters? The same exact thing that we just saw, and they had to like go through the motions of it. There's, Excuse there's, me. Listen again. There's an important moral to learn from this, and it's mm-hmm. go pissing, go missing. Mm-hmm. Right. Gotcha. Go pissing, go missing. Also, wear a condom, or else Jason will murder you after right. stepping on the condom. Correct. Protection's important, <laughs> motherfuckers. You don't want to die or have a kid or both. This like a, a this is a pretty effective this is a pretty effective Trojan commercial. They should show this on TV. You know, just like you know. <laughs> No, thanks, babe. I don't need to use the condom. It feels gross on my dick. And then Jason stabs them. <laughs> By the way, um, I, I, I watched a uh, couple clips of this movie uh, uh, unrated. Uh, I believe the if you watched the, the same source as I did, which was HBO Max, mm-hmm. uh, which, by the way, this and the next three movies we're going to watch are on HBO Max. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Are, uh, so that was a rated R cut. Yeah, but the the unrated cut, uh, this kill is very gruesome and fucked where Jason, well, not Jason, but kind of Jason, coroner Jason, Jason, Jason. stabs this like pole in this girl as she's fucking her dude and lifts it up and they cut away from this and just cut to the dude. And he's just like, yeah, as as the girl he was fucking just got murdered on top of his dick. But like. The uncensored version is really gory and like well done special effects of this like Jason pulling the bar up through her torso and it like shows it like cut a big gash through her entire person. Ooh. And it is fucking extremely grisly and memorable. And I guess it's kind of a shame it's cut out of the movie because boy, was that a crazy kill. Uh, by the way. Funny, funny to note, uh, the, the two actors here, 
who get murdered are Michael B. Silver and Michelle Clooney, uh, who, who play Luke and, and Deborah here. Uh, so, so they had been a couple in real life. And then, you know, usually that'd be like, oh, OK, cool. We have to do sex scene. Ha <laughs> ha. Isn't that funny? But they broke up shortly before being cast in this movie, which is kind of hilarious. So they had to had to film this scene uh, where they're intimate. And I bet that was really awkward. Yeah, but that's OK. That's OK. Jason came to break up the awkwardness real easy by killing them. So we now we come back to uh, Vanna here. Yeah, our main character, right? Uh Ha ha. She's she's cleaning up, and uh, and she she goes back inside her 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 husband, I guess, Josh, the police sheriff. I think, but I don't think so at all. Or no, is he? Yeah, because he says I wasn't really sure of this. Yeah, I think it is. Okay, but he's cheating on her. Right. With some lady, and therefore he is punished by Jason. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Jason punishes you if you uh, have sex without using protection, and if you're uh, doing some infidelity. So don't do that, kids. Jason will murder you. Well, if he can find a vessel body to transport himself into. Yeah. The, so... Corner Jason, Landy, as, as this girl pulls up, and they're about to about to get some infidelity going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corner Jason pulls right on up and slams this girl's head into the car door, and it cuts really fast. It, if you slow it down, it looks like absolute shit. By the yeah, way, yeah, it's funny. I, 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 I noticed it too, and I was like, "What? That looks terrible." And I slowed it down. Yeah. And saw that I was like, "Oh my god!" It reminds me of part five, where like uh, fake Jason stabs that one girl, the one that was dancing robot, and it cuts to like this scene of him stabbing like what is clearly just a pillow (laughs) but it's supposed to be her torso shit's funny yep, and then he uh so he has Josh bound up I really don't understand why this scene happens I really don't but Jason using one meat puppet uh, the coroner is going like is going to transfer his essence into another meat puppet, the cop here. Uh, I guess with the intention. Uh, now this is giving Jason some credit of forethought, which I don't think Jason Voorhees has. But I was interpreting it that he was using it to get closer to Diane, because that is his goal, as we learn in a little later. Yeah. Um, from an info dump from Duke, but. Why does he shave him? I don't know. He shaves him, but it's so <laughs> awkward. It's very awkward and so weird. Awkward. Why does it happen? Now, yeah. if Jason is using this man to get closer to Diane, why does he make him less recognizable to her if the intention is to get close to her and like get her? Uh, because that is his intention. He, he needs to find a female Voorhees to like to to put his uh gross uh mouth puppet into which is the, the, they show this a lot in this movie where one of the meat puppets possessed by Jason has like a little like alien mouth thing come out of his mouth it's yeah. like a little fucking demon thing and it's some dumbass shit 
some dumbass shit. I, I really wonder if this movie was like in its initial scripting was meant to even be a Friday the 13th movie. If it was meant to be something else. I'm not sure. Apparently, it's it's very similar to a 1987 film called The Hidden in concept, uh, which uh, Adam Marcus has acknowledged the similarities here. But he does claim that he never heard of the film prior to completion of Jason Goes to Hell. So so who knows? Um, but it's a super weird concept of this like entity switching bodies to try and kill people that doesn't really fit Friday at all. Not in the slightest. But it's but it's being forced to be a Friday movie for some reason. And here we are. So, uh, possibly homoerotic shaving scene aside, (laughs) Jason goes inside, uh, this cop dude, you know, but bye bye coroner, man. He dead. He officially dead now. Yep. Now Jason cop man. So cop man, go to Diane house. Yep, and to to get her now be new body, I think. I guess, and uh, <laughs> and then Steven shows up right as he's about to insert the weird mouth dick into her into her mouth. Yeah, because Steven did have an option to hang out and uh, fuck those uh, you know unnamed characters. But he said no. But he but he said nah nah. So that's 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 so that we the audience know that he is faithful to his wife that he's not even dating any which is right. which I, I guess is meant to endear us to him, but actually I don't really think it endears me to him at all. I think it just makes it feel like he can't let things go. But anyway. Well you clearly can't let things go. He's still wearing his fucking varsity jacket. <laughs> he's, he's he's he peaked in high school and he can't fucking forget about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So he feels like Poor to Steven. Me. Yeah, no, I, 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 I understand this vibe. It makes sense. So, um, so he walks in on this shit happening, and he, he, he and tackles, like, he tackles uh, Officer Jason, and they... Uh, Officer Jason, yeah. And they go at it. And then... Uh, this is Andrew Block as Deputy Josh? Mm-hmm. Is Jason's second murder puppet? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, uh, he... So, so what happens here is... The dude st- still successfully kills Diane. But I don't think that was initially his intention. Well, I think he not. did want to like take, take like control of her. But he falls out of the window and then the other the actual sheriff of the town shows up. Yeah. Uh who I believe is played by Billy Green Bush. Yeah, that's his actual name. Uh as Sheriff Landis, who who is who is named after John Landis, unfortunately, um, what a good reference! You guys know about the Twilight Zone thing, right? Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> it's weird to me that people don't talk about that that often. I've already talked about it to death on this show, but anyway, he shows up and all he sees is Stephen here and a dead girl. And then he's like, but look, he's out there. But nah, that dude disappears like Michael Myers at the end of Halloween. So Steven's going to jail. Uh-oh. Yeah. And then, and then uh, the girl shows up, Diane's daughter. 
Yeah, we, we get a, the sense of like a little bit of passing of time. Now Diane's daughter is showing up because he, she was talking to her mom before she died. And now she's coming in for the weekend, unfortunately, because her mom is dead, not just to visit. Uh, there, there's a woman in here cleaning up the fucking blood as she shows up. Um, so the daughter is played by Carrie Keegan. And this other person is Allison Smith as Vicky, who is a waitress at the diner with Diana and a friend of Jessica's. You know, it's hard to keep track of all this shit. <laughs> Character relationships are a little wonky in this movie and not explained very well. Yeah. This and uh, she has her new baby with her. Mm-hmm. She shows up, sees the blood stain that's left over. Yeah. That's not yeah. good. Obviously gets upset, but yeah. Yeah, and then Steven's locked up now. We're in a yep. cell next to our boy, Creighton Duke. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steven clearly has an officer friend, because he's like, I'm going to get you out of here, buddy. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Stay tight for a day. I'll get you out in a day. Kip Marcus as Randy, Steven's cop friend. Um yeah, for whatever reason, this cop sucks. <laughs> He's like really bad at his job, dude. Because Steven gets the better of him in like a, literally just a minute from now. So, so we get this scene that is like, you know, I, I think you could really have a top 10 list of the weirdest shit in just this movie. Top 10 weird things that happen in Jason Goes to Hell. And this would be on it. Um, so this is the time for our info dump about the Devorhees lore, but the only way Creighton Duke is going to give it to Steven is if Steven pays the price. And, and, and what's the price, Justin? Fingers. He breaks yeah. his fingers. Uh, why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't make any so, fucking like, sense. It doesn't. It doesn't paint a very friendly picture of Creighton Duke. Uh, he seems to be a sadistic madman here, because he only tells Stephen this stuff about Jason if he can break his fingers one by one, and he only breaks two of them because I think you know. I think what they were going for is he's testing how serious Stephen is about this and how determined he is to save his girlfriend. Uh but this is a really weird way to go about it. You're literally making him less effective to do any task with yeah. broken fingers, but like whatever. And he decides not to break the third one because he like sees that like, you know, Steven is filled with determination or whatever. <laughs> um, so the info dump here is basically a bunch of nonsense. They just created for just this movie. That seems to be important lore that like, you know, for someone who only saw this movie in previous eight you'd think it would have been addressed before but no we can safely say no it has not been um so in order to kill jason apparently you have to be also a Voorhees. uh it's some some kind of bullshit right right and you have to do it with this mysterious fucking Voorhees dagger you have to kill him with the dagger and you have to be a Voorhees. And Jason's objective as he, you know, switches between murder puppet to murder puppet is to be reborn through a female Voorhees. Like, like if he gets his essence into one of them, he will be reborn through them. 
as I as well, it turns out as the Jason we are familiar with, hockey mask and all. But right, I, you know, uh, this is a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> it is fucking silly. I have, I have a pause on Creighton um, with his crazy eyes. <laughs> fucking weird ass part man he's he like, a weird motherfucker psychs him out with the last little bit of information he's like this one's really expensive and stares at that yeah. nuts on the house <laughs> I, I think it's the I think the last bit of information is how how you actually kill him right um so this means that Steven has to fucking get out of jail uh you know because if he just sits here and no one does anything Jason's just gonna go find Jessica and put his goopy mouth into her and be reborn out of her. Or even worse, the baby. Because uh, that's also a Voorhees. Because, yeah, yeah, as it turns out, Jessica is a Voorhees. I guess Diana was Jason's sister that we never knew about, never knew existed. Yeah, I guess. Um, I, my idea of what this means is that Elias, or whoever Jason's father's name is, Broke up with Pamela or abandoned the family, whichever, whatever, and then went off on his own somewhere else and had a family somewhere else. So this is Elias's kid, but not Pamela's kid would be my guess. So it's still a Voorhees, but it's not the line that directly made Jason. Right. Uh huh. That would be my idea. But I am not certain. I, dude, I, I have no fucking I guess. And the movie isn't certain either because they don't fucking tell you. But uh, that's what I would guess. Um, and it's supported from some stuff from the video game. But I will get into that way later, probably in our last episode about shit, because I ain't talking about the files in the video game right now. We got, we got Jason goes to hell and go through. <laughs> so. What's what's Steven's fantastic plan to get out of prison? Yeah, so he takes so he calls cop friend over. Yeah. Starts complaining about how Creighton broke his hand. Uh-huh. And then he just Which, fucking like yeah. He did. Yeah. And then grabs him, uh-huh. bashes him up against his cell and takes his gun, takes the cop cop friend's gun, points it out uh-huh. and tells him to let him out. And then dude's like, You're making a mistake, man. But you know, this dude sucks and he lets him out. <laughs> Yep, so Steven's on the run. Yep. Lamb. Lamb. And uh, we and, get back uh, we get back to the diner here. Yeah, I, I believe this is Jessica and uh, the other waitress uh, showing up at the diner with the baby. And at first, uh, Joey B here is like, get that fucking baby out of here. That baby's not coming in my fucking restaurant. <laughs> Real nice lady. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I guess once she gets a phone call, uh, she decides to keep the baby there mm-hmm. uh, because she finds out that Steven's on the loose. And as far as anybody else knows, Steven actually killed Diane. Right. So now they're all that, I believe that's what Jessica thinks as well. So she doesn't want anything to do with Steven right now because like, you might have killed her mom. Right. She doesn't know. She doesn't know about the Jason nonsense. So Steven has a drive to take. Um, oh, we, he's in the diner, right? Yeah, he, he comes in through the back, yeah. sees his baby. Yeah, uh, he makes a very risky move to meet his baby. Um, even though time is of the essence and all that, but, uh, you know, hey, whatever. 
And he comes across a character that we haven't seen yet, who is is the cook here, one of the cooks here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wade? Or Wayne? Uh, I think Ward. Ward. I knew it was a W. Yeah, it's Ward. Adam Craner as Ward, the, the big guy cook, who I guess is friends with Steven? Yeah. Now, this was not established, you know, you know usually like a movie <laughs> would... Uh, establish their friendship at some point earlier in the film so that when they uh, encounter each other again here, there would be some kind of setup for Ward, you know, just going like, I'm not going to tell anybody. Here's my car keys. Get the hell out of here, Stephen. But instead, we're watching Jason Goes to Hell, which is trying really hard to be a movie, but not succeeding. So it it doesn't do it doesn't establish that at all. Oh, not at all. So, so this character we never met gives him a get out of jail free card and here's here's my car. Go drive, dude. Get out of here. Yep. So he takes All him, he goes right. to the Voorhees house, the old run down Voorhees uh, household. Again, again, never saw a Voorhees house in those first eight movies. Uh Jason's always been hanging out in the lake. Didn't know there was a Voorhees house. Had no idea. Um but it's here. Yep. And uh, Steven starts poking around. Fights. The Necronomicons in this house. Oh my god, I need to talk about this. So this is some weird shit, right? This is some weird... Why is this here? Uh, if you're not familiar, the Necronomicon is not from this franchise. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's from the Evil Dead. Right. Uh, so, why is it here? That's it. Uh. Why is it here in the Jason Voorhees home? Um, now, this is actually kind of interesting. Uh, this is why Adam Marcus wanted it to be in the movie, but he couldn't talk about this because of, you know, legal reasons. New Line does not own Evil Dead, or at least they didn't at the time. I don't really know what the fuck the movie rights are like now. So this is really just a prop and a, a reference, a bit of a cameo. No, hey, look, it's the Necronomicon. But Adam Marcus's reason was he wanted to tie Friday the 13th into the canon of the Evil Dead franchise. And this is how. Quote from him. Pamela Voorhees makes a deal with the devil by reading from the Necronomicon to bring back her son. This is why Jason isn't Jason. He's Jason plus the Evil Dead. And now I can believe that he can go from a little boy that lives in a lake to a full grown man in a couple of months. To zombie Jason, to never being able to kill this guy. That to me is way more interesting as a mashup. And Sam Raimi, I guess he told him about it, loved it. It's not like I could tell New Line my plan to include the Evil Dead because they don't own the Evil Dead. So it had to be an Easter egg, and I did focus on it. There's a whole scene that includes the book, and I hoped people would get it and figure out that's what I'm up to. So, yes, in my opinion, Jason Voorhees is a deadite. He's one of the Evil Dead. Uh, which <laughs> I. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, knowing what I know from the Evil Dead movies, but it's kind of cool. Sure. And if if they had an opportunity to make a, a more of a monster mashup movie, like you know, with a bunch of different monster characters in it, maybe that would be some cool canon to discover. But here, it's just like I didn't know this was in this movie, so yeah. it just happened, and I was just like, "Huh?" Right. Yeah. Same. And I was convinced that it was going to be integral to the plot somehow, but it, it just gets overlooked. It, it, like, nobody touches it, really. 
but really, that really threw me for a loop. I mean, to be quite honestly, throughout the entirety of my viewing of this movie, my jaw was on the floor because it just keeps doing weird shit <laughs> left and right. But anyway, fuck the Necronomicon. That's not important. <laughs> no. <laughs> so newsman. Let's go snooping. Uh, yeah. And it's uh, goes and hides in the closet. Uh huh. So newsman is making a scheme here to uh, fucking. He has Diana's body here. And his scheme is that they will do a special at the Voorhees house and they'll find her body yeah. live on TV and yeah. it'll be like, whoa, big ratings. And the dude he's talking to on the phone seems a little like taken aback and upset by that. And he's like, dude, it's going to be great. What are you talking about? Yeah. And like, yeah, okay, dude. Hey, anyway, he dies. Yeah, news, yeah, newsman's <laughs> like, like, I stole Diane's body, and then I went home and fucked his daughter. It's like, Jesus Christ. What a yeah, scum. what a likable character. What a scum. Well, I think what they're going for here is he, uh, as soon as we learn that he's a scum fuck, he dies. Right. Like, yeah. immediately after, which because, is kind of funny. Because uh, Officer Jason rolls up. <laughs> Officer Voorhees. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, rolls up, sticks, sticks the tongue dick at him. Yeah, and and uh, and we get some actually. I gotta give this movie credit. Incredible special effects here, yeah, with this whole scene where this cop, you know, gets dejacent and melts basically, and it's super gruesome and crazy looking. Uh, he gross. fucking just deteriorates and becomes goopy blood his fucking jaw gets unhinged and stuck sticks to the ground it's it's gross. so fucking gnarly um it's gross as fuck i'm pretty sure uh the special effects in this movie were handled by a uh, young greg nicotero who works on the walking dead right now mm. and i uh, worked with uh you know romero and savini on you know like day of the dead and shit like that right so that doesn't surprise me you know uh, Nick Dero knows what he's doing when it comes to special effects and shit. So this shit was all really cool. Um, a shame it's in this movie, though, because as soon as it, we're done with that, we're back to some dumbass shit. Uh, so so Jason is this guy now. Yep, we got newsman this Jason. Is... <laughs> Jason has a lot of a lot of hats in this movie. Now he's newsboy Jason. Uh, action news for <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, and then we go back to our main girl here. She has a good shower cry, and then the uh, the power goes out. Oh, oh! This scene sucks. Uh, not not like in the context of the movie because we don't know. But uh, from what I read, I hate this. So Carrie Keegan, who plays Jessica here, uh, apparently really disliked her experience working this film, and maybe even quit acting because of it. Which I wouldn't really blame anyone for being uh, a little. Uh, you know, disenchanted with the magic of movies <laughs> after making Jason goes to hell. Right. But uh, so she particularly did not work, like working with Adam Marcus. Uh, so allegedly Adam Marcus asked her to appear fully nude and she had said no beforehand, uh, but he kind of like made the notion that he would be able to convince her to appear fully nude. Uh, she's not fully nude in this, by the way. 
Right. She's wearing underwear that we don't like. We don't ever see the bottom half of her. And I think she's wearing like, uh, you know, cone things on her nipples or whatever. Um, yeah, pasties probably. Wh- whatever. It, it's, you know, it's up to the actress at the end of the day. You know, right. if, if you want someone to appear nude in your movie, don't hire someone who says no. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here with that nonsense. Yeah, that's fucking garbage. There will always be someone who will say yes to that. Like, just get people who are willing to do it. That should be like. Easy. That should be easy to know. But instead, um, he apparently uh, runs really hot water on her in this scene. And I don't know if that was intentional or not, but she kind of thinks it is. And this really led to her uh, absolutely hating this man because it seems to be he wanted her to be naked. And she said no, and he was like, ha ha, hot water. And it, like, actually hurt. So her crying is kind of real. That's disgusting. And it really makes me uncomfortable. It really makes me uncomfortable. Um, this is all alleged. I'm not accusing anyone of anything. Uh, who knows? Yes, uh, but yeah, that's fine. But I don't like it. That's gross. <laughs> Either way. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that shit. Anyway, let's get past this as quick as possible. Yes, so, yeah. So, <laughs> so reporter for he shows up. Mm-hmm. And so does Steven at the same time. Yes. He runs, he runs reporter for he's over the car, and he's like, hey, Chad's explaining everything, what's going on. Like, hey, we gotta go, we gotta go right now. That's He's not explaining he's... it to her very good, right. because she's just like, what's going on? He's just like, shut up! <laughs> yeah, so, so that leads her to just push him out of the fucking car in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, like even after he like runs over this like maybe inhuman visage of her current boyfriend, uh, she's very distrusting of this man. You know, you could have handled the situation better, Costanza. You really should have tried a little better. Yeah, just yelling "shut up!" But uh, no, uh, one of my favorite scenes in this movie happens. Uh huh. Friend cop pulls up. Oh right, but he's not really a friend cop anymore because he's pretty pissed that he pulled a gun yeah. on him. Beats, yeah. beats the shit out of him, and then they uh-huh. like they, they beat each other up, and then they're like like winded, yeah. like sitting on the cop car. And then <laughs> this, this is actually yeah, good. Fred cops like yeah. get in the get in the car, Stephen. He was like, "No, fuck you, you get in the car." Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd like to see you try. And then Gopher's the friend pulls out a gun. He pulls out his gun. He's like, "I got a gun." And Stephen's like, "Fuck you, I got a gun." <laughs> and pulls his gun out. <laughs> 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 it was actually pretty funny. I liked the timing of it. It's a good little scene. Yep. And then he tells her Jessica's down at the station. He's like, cuff me. <laughs> yeah. After all that, he's like, all right, yeah, take me to the station. Yep. And uh, yeah, here here we go. Go yep. into the station. Yep. And uh, reporter Jason follows up to the station. And Jessica's there. He tries to go after her. Steven sees it, pulls right the fuck on up. Knocks, knocks, mm-hmm. knocks officer friend out again. Poor guy. And shoots the living yeah, fuck out of this. He he body. does this fucking pro move though, where he fucking like jumps over the cuffs. Yeah, <laughs> like a fucking G, <laughs> like he's been arrested before. Uh, I who knows. I, but yeah, um, time time for another crazy kill scene. Yep. Jason's in a cop station. Oh boy, I think a lot of people get killed in this scene. Yeah, two officers get killed. Yeah. 
but then Ukraine's there. And he gets out. Yes. Let me cut back to the diner. They show back up to the diner, and everybody there pulls guns on Steven. Well, as you would. Um, I think Jessica is now kind of on Steven's side. Yeah. Here. Now she's and, seen like, that shit. Was, well, she saw all this fucking crazy shit happen. Like, Jason's real. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm not really sure how Creighton gets out of the jail, by the way. I have no idea either. Uh, because our timeline is, is this. Uh, the Minor spoilers for this shit film. Creighton gets out of prison somehow, goes to diner unseen by everyone else before Jessica and Steven get there, steals baby and goes to Voorhees' house. I don't know how he does it. I have no idea how he does it. I don't know. I, I don't think the timeline lines up with him to have enough time to do this. No, especially not at all. because this fucking well-armed diner <laughs> with uh, our waitress friend from earlier has a shotgun. Joey B's got like a revolver. Like, <laughs> like, how the fuck does Creighton sneak in here at all? I guess the same way Steven snuck in earlier. There must be some kind of easy I way guess. to get into the diner without anybody fucking noticing. I guess so. Because <laughs> it happens twice in this movie, right. I guess. I don't know, Once bro. off screen, though. So anyway, back to the current events. Yep, yeah, reporter um, Jason, after they have a little altercation. Yeah. And she's telling, telling Joey, give me the baby! And she's like, fuck you, and then she hits her over the head with a cup. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then, then we got reporter Jason comes in, and they start lighting him the fuck up. And And this is where it is extremely apparent that Adam Marcus is a very amateurish director. Um, I mean, this was his first film. Kind of a mistake hiring this man. Uh, because this whole sequence is in slow motion for some reason. And it's not just for like a little bit. It's for like a solid five minutes. This film is in slow motion during this whole action murder set piece at the diner. Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then uh, Jason continues to Why? murder everybody at the diner. He uh, he hits yeah. Joey in the mouth with his elbow and it caves her fucking face and it's really funny. <sighs> Weird looking effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's, this scene's actually pretty fun. If it wasn't in slow motion, it might have been enjoyable actually because there's a lot of death and murder and mayhem going on. Uh, I particularly like that the waitress friend from earlier is apparently a crack shotgun shot. She's fucking shooting the shit out of uh, the action news Jason here. Um, Crazy, man. (laughs) But obviously, you know, he can't kill Voorhees at all. And he's able to get the last hit on her. Yep. And he pops her skull. So, so with all our side characters dead, um, including for the moment Jason, because they're able to knock him down. I believe Stephen does. Yeah. Uh, so they get their, you know, they try to go get the baby, but then they find the note, and uh, Jessica leaves without Stephen. Yep, yeah, because his little note tells her to go alone. Yeah, from Creighton Duke. Right. Uh, which I don't really understand why it says to go alone, but whatever. She wouldn't be alone if Creighton's there. I mean, his reasoning behind it is, I guess, so that she can kill Jason with the dagger that he has. 
and end this whole thing. But like, you know, clearly maybe like Steven is also on team. Let's kill Jason. Yeah. So I don't really know why Creighton's being like, well, cause uh, his, like, you know, his, unwilling to bring Steven there or whatever. I guess his theory is like anybody could be Jason at this point. Yes, which, like, at the time, I was like, that doesn't make any sense, because clearly you can tell who is Jason and who is not, because Jason doesn't talk. However, that got proven wrong in that very scene. Yeah, it fucking makes uh, no goddamn just sense. Just because it's convenient. <laughs> yep, two officers showed up that could talk. Yeah, and then one of them was Jason, so Jason knows how to talk, I guess, this whole time. Just chooses not to. <laughs> what a pretentious asshole. <laughs> Um, it, it's, it's, I don't know, some cop, I forget which character from the movie it was, and then the friend cop. I think Jason ends up being the friend. So, at the moment, it's just Jessica and, um, Creighton, and Creighton basically kind of convinces her that she's a Voorhees, and she has to be the one to kill Jason. They need to end this tonight, because it, otherwise, she'll never be safe. Jason will always be coming to get her. So she's like, okay. And, um, I, I think there's a shot where he gives her the knife and it transforms into this fucking mystical yeah. dumbass dagger. It's really stupid. <sighs> I was laughing. <laughs> yep. And then the one officer grabs baby. She figures out she stabs one officer. But that's the wrong one. The other one's Jason. Uh oh. Grabs the baby. Frank Cop was Jason the whole time. Steven shows up with machete. Yeah. And slices the dude's throat. And then here, here comes some more weird shit. Oh, yeah, it the never ends. pops open, and now a little alien creature comes out. <laughs> this is Jason, by the way. Oh, Jason was a gremlin the whole time. Ooh. He goes scurrying all around. <laughs> Fuck it, it's cute looking, to be honest. It doesn't look very scary, this puppet. I think no, they thought it hilarious. did. But, like, oh God, the shot where, like, Steven picks it up and then, like, throws it, and it just kind of just, like, thunks on a table. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, are they claiming that this is what Jason actually is? This I little guess. fucking creature demon thing? It's so tiny and unthreatened. Uh, I hate it. <laughs> I really do. It's cute, to be honest. It's adorable. Yeah. Little Voorhees baby. Yep. But, uh... So they, they go to, uh, escape to try to get the dagger, but then, uh, mm-hmm. Diana's body's down there. And apparently, yes. the Voorhees doesn't have to be alive to resurrect Jason. Uh-huh, so he just, uh, goops into this corpse. Yep, and uh, it comes out as f- full-ass Jason. Full-fledged, fully clothed, in the outfit from the opening scene, with hockey mask and all, Jason. Which doesn't make any fucking sense, but has the movie done that once? No. Why start now? So, hey, it's Kane Hodder. He gets to be in the movie for a minute. Hey. It's Jason. <laughs> and uh, he's, you know, fighting everybody here. I think he kills Creighton. Mm-hmm. Creighton's all like, ooh, you recognize me, motherfucker. And then Jason's like, lol, no, you weren't in the first eight movies. And then just kills him. <laughs> and then... He's trying to kill Jessica as she's trying to go get the dagger. Yeah, but Steven uh, but, distracts him and they get a scrap, throws him out. Yeah, he drags him in out a window. fucking jungle gym outside, I guess. Whatever the fuck that whole thing was. Yeah, it was weird. You could tell they were like, "We have this prop and we are going to use it." <laughs> God damn it! 
So while they're scrapping, Funny. Jessica gets the knife. Yeah. And gets up gets up behind Jason, stabs him with it. Yeah. So this kills him, but in a very, very elaborate way. Yeah, all the all the little little red Jason orbs that were happening earlier shoot up into the sky. Yeah, and open up like I think a heaven, <laughs> a big heaven beam of light, and then from the ground come like some fucking zombie arms, and they start literally dragging him into the ground, dragging and, him to hell. Yep, and Steven. Oh yeah, because he's just it happens to be too close. And uh, they're able to, they're able to save, like, you know, Jessica's able to drag Steven away from those arms, mm-hmm. even though they are able to drag Jason Voorhees, who, uh, you know, I think it's a fair assessment to say is a very strong, large man into the ground. But Steven, okay. Um, and Jason gets dragged down, and with that, Jason is now deader than he's ever been in this entire franchise. He is now dragged to hell. Yep. Uh, Jason does literally go to hell in this movie. They did it. They did the thing. I think they even say, as like she stabs Jason, go to hell, right? Yeah, they do. <laughs> and then we get a little, like, uh... Yeah, our little refrain here is just just a shot of the sunset and, you know, our two characters walking into it. Even though these, these two characters have had no chemistry the entire movie, I guess they rekindle their relationship and everything's cool. One problem, though, where the fuck is the baby? They never resolved that at all. The baby got like, who knows where to, did they leave the baby at the house? Do they have the baby in this scene? Where they, they never went and got the baby, Justin. The baby is just that got knocked around somewhere, got knocked behind the fucking desk. Excuse <laughs> me, sir. Where Babu? <laughs> oh man, he's probably he's hanging out with uh, Paul from movie two. Whatever happened to him? He yeah, disappeared right. too. You know, just the void of forgotten Friday characters. Just, you know, never get brought up again. But anyway, get a little teaser at the end. So that would be Jason Goes to Hell, but then we get to see, you know, the entire reason this exists, um, which is this admittedly very cool scene that serves as our, you know, basically if this movie came out now, this would be a post credits scene. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's the tease for a future installment. Right. Uh, yep, Jason, so. Jason Mask sitting there in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Up, up at the ground. Freddy Fingies. <laughs> it's so Freddy Fingies. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's that, you know, iconic Freddy laugh. Ha ha ha. Fucking drags Jason's mask down to hell. And um that's how the movie ends. And uh I I feel like if the movie wasn't a complete pile of shit before this moment, this moment would hit harder. I assume when it came out in 1993, people were like, well, that's cool, but why should I believe a Freddy versus Jason movie will be good after I just sat through this piece of shit that you guys made? <laughs> because that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I have, uh, you know, uh, by the way, playing the glove of Freddy is actually Kane Hodder. 
Uh, so he got to play another famous horror icon for, you know, sort of. <laughs> for a now, obviously, this is meant to set up Freddy vs. Jason, but, it, you know, it would take nearly a decade for that thing to see the light of day. And uh, fans debate whether Jason Goes to Hell is canon or not in its own series, but there's also a debate of whether the Friday series as a whole, including this film, is canon with the Nightmare on Elm Street series as a whole. And uh, I guess the timeline lines up somewhat correctly, where Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare, takes place before this movie, and Freddy is defeated question mark and goes to hell question mark so he would be in a position to you know pop up and take that hockey mask and maybe uh put forth some kind of plan utilizing Voorhees which I think plays into the plot of Freddy versus Jason once we once we get to it because uh I guess in the canon Freddy versus Jason happens next even though Jason X comes out you know next Next week, we're going to be watching Jason X, but Freddy vs. Jason takes place before that. But after Jason goes to hell, I think is how it goes. Now, that's if you even consider this movie canon, which I would prefer not to, because it is a fucking mess and a half. Yeah. And I don't like what it does to the the canon and the lore, because I think it's much more simple to just think of Jason as an entity that is a big man in a hockey mask, not as some, like skittering demon that can go back and forth between multiple bodies. I'm really not sure why they decided this was the route to go because it's incredibly shit. Incredibly shit. <sighs> I don't know. I it's terrible, dude, and it, I, I Yeah. It's it's the worst one. You know, I I think it's Oddly enough, it's more interesting than Jason Takes Manhattan, but I think you have to give it that worst spot, right? Yeah, it because, earns it. Like, there's yeah. at least like some good things about Takes Manhattan. Like, I actually don't mind the entire boat section of that movie. Well, at the very least, you could say that that is structured and written like a like a film. Now, there's some weird wonky shit, like uh, you know the girl's visions of Kid Jason. Uh. You know, so that's why it's really low on our list, of course. But it's it's better than this. Yeah, but now, this this was incredibly entertaining because it is so it's one of those movies that's so bad that it, it transcends being awful and yeah. kind of is just enjoyable to watch because at a certain point, like 50 minutes in, I was just like, I'm I'm in, totally engaged because I want to know what insane thing is going to happen next. Like yeah. fucking. D- dude's breaking fingers and then the Necronomicon's in it and then this fucking slow motion scene for no reason uh, Jason exploding the corner eating the heart in Youngstown like this movie's filled with weird shit hey, to be fair the I'm only, never gonna forget the only place a corner <laughs> would eat a heart is Youngstown so that's why they had to make it Youngstown okay yeah that's our that's our specialty we're known for that out here <laughs> we'll eat your heart and become Jason Voorhees if we have to you know we have to that's the Y Town way. We'll eat your heart. Yeah, dude. Wink. Go penguins. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking. So predictably, this movie got you know bad reviews from critics and fans alike who were confused by this restructuring of Jason's mythology. Um, although its twenty four percent rating for Rotten Tomatoes is uh, weirdly middle of the road for this franchise. <laughs> Basically, all of them got a poor Rotten Tomatoes score. <laughs> 
Um, so the film only had a budget of three million, and it made fifteen point nine, which was a modest success. But you know, that reception probably played a big factor in why we didn't see a sequel for a decade. With the also bizarre Jason X, which we will I'm uh, so excited. We'll, we'll, we're going to take a look at next week, and I'm pretty excited to dig into that movie because um, I think that one might be camp done. Uh, from what I've seen, I'm hoping it's fun. It is and it's so much fun. I'm excited for something different, indeed, because you know, not this different, <laughs> like, like Jason goes to hell. But right. you know, yeah. So, so there's no, there's no way we're not putting this at number uh, nine, right on our Correct. list, yeah, right? It's bottom, easy this, bottom, worst movie, easy, easy bottom. This franchise, so, easy. Just, uh, just to clarify. Uh, uh, should I go descending or ascending? Up to you, buddy. All right. Give me one second. Oh, wait, it's not called Friday the 13th anything. I'm writing it on the list. It's called Jason Goes to Heck. Okay. The final Friday, even though there we still have three more. Mm. But, you know, you know. What would this franchise be without uh, stops that aren't really stops? <laughs> so... Our ranking is as follows. Uh, number one with a bullet, we got Jason Lives. Because of course we do. That movie's actually really fun. And number two, we got part three, which is also really fun. And uh, even though it has a bunch of dumb shit in it, but all of them do. And number three, we got part two. I think that's a solid movie. Parts two and three are very, very similar, though. And part four, the final chapter. Well, number four. And part four on our list. Number five on our list is part five. The fucking nonsense. Uh, new beginning with fake Jason. Our number six is part seven with, uh, you know, Jason fighting Carrie. Our number seven is the original Friday the 13th. Our number eight is part eight. Jason uh, go, goes on a Manhattan field trip. And then our bottom-ranked piece of shit is Jason Goes to Hell. Ooh. And it's going to stay there because I don't see the other three even coming close to the pure fucking lunacy that this movie is. Oh, um, um, yeah, definitely. Really, I haven't seen anything this fucking insane since, like, you know, I, I want to say, like, this is Texas Chainsaw Next Generation levels, which... Like, oddly enough, I think uh, if it wasn't, that would be probably bottom ranked for that franchise if it wasn't for the fact that that had, like, uh, the remake and the prequel to the remake, which were just fucking dull and bad. Um, I will always think that something is that is terrible but entertaining is way better than something that is, you know, dull. But th those movies have similar vibes to me. I think you'd agree, because they're just... Their ideas of where to take this franchise in, in some kind of fresh new direction uh, were very misguided and bad. <laughs> and and, uh, and they both kind of came out around the same time. So, so look at that. The 90s were truly the decade of fucking up your horror franchises. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What was the 90s? Uh, uh, was there Halloween's coming out? So they were probably like part six. Yeah, so it's definitely the decade for fucking up your it's horror It's the low point for, like, all these big horror <clears throat> franchises. Yeah. Halloween 6. Uh, I mean, I guess the only one that, like, really... 
I think had a high point was like Freddy had new nightmare, which is, I guess the right way to do that concept. You know, it's a very new radical take on the lore, but done well. It's an interesting take as opposed to a shit weird one. (laughs) Um, I'm very excited to watch those one day for getting joke. And then uh, the 90s also had Halloween H2O. Which is okay. I like that. It's not a disaster. It was fun. Um, was resurrection in the nineties or was that not until the early two thousands? Also that's a bad the early time. Two, for that's horror. the early two thousands. Also a bad time for horror. Texas Chainsaw remake, mm. and eventually Friday remake in the late two thousands, which uh, I don't think is going to be good because it's directed no. by the same guy that did the Texas Chainsaw remake. Hey, are you excited? Oh, no. but hey, next week we get to watch uh, Jason X. Jason goes to space, people. Can't wait yeah. to see how this works. Go be hype. <laughs> can't can't wait to see how this fucking shit works, dude. Oh boy. Do you want me to do you want me to tell you how it works? Have you seen Jason X? I it, dude, I watched it a very long time ago. I love this movie. Oh okay. How's it work? Um, he gets cryo freezed. Oh well, yeah. Well, I figured there had to be some way. He gets cryo freezed and then like accidentally yeah. put in like a ship into space. It, it, yeah, it's, it's it's a good yeah. fucking time, bro. You're gonna love it because well, I knew it had to be it had to be future to get him to space. Right. So, so you get the yeah, he gets yeah. put in a cryo sleep. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. They just can't help themselves. They're uh, like, we gotta study this Voorhees dude, and you know, we'll just put him on ice. He'll never get out. It's fine. Yeah, then he gets Oop. out. You know. Oops. <laughs> Uh, okay well that's enough shitty horror for one day yeah for one day <laughs> see you see you next week for more shitty horror fuck yeah ah, that's our specialty here at our stupid podcast show bup, bup.